You're listening to the Oz Movies Podcast, only on the Oz Network. Welcome back to the Oz Network as we continue on with Anniversary Month. We've gotten rid of the crap. We're back into the good as we move into our third film this month. And for the fourth time in our short history, we're covering the man, the myth, the legend, the myth, Arnold Schwarzenegger. And that's a really bad impersonation. We are here to celebrate (laughs) the 25th anniversary of True Lies. If you ever wanted to see Arnold Schwarzenegger playing James Bond, then this is your movie. Jamie Lee Curtis is in this one. Uh, Golden Globe winning Jamie Lee Curtis. Tom Arnold. uh, Bill Paxton. Tia Carrere. Charlton Heston. And this is, I think, the first ever appearance of Eliza Dushku. So, uh, plenty to oh, like. yes. Plenty to enjoy about this film. Uh, this movie's amazing. It's so good. And we're here to talk about it. My name is Ben, and I got a little dick. It's pathetic. And my name is Colin, and say something. That's a fine animal. <laughs> I wanted to read out the um the whole line when um Jamie Lee Curtis is like going like oh and then the printer ran out of paper and then we had to go downstairs and yeah. course, that's not compatible with this one. Instead, you thought you'd go with something that was a little more relevant to yourself. Yeah, yeah. I just I like to be honest on these episodes. So um, it's yeah. true lies, Ben. It would have been okay to elaborate. <laughs> this movie's amazing. <laughs> I, yeah, very excited when we decided to do this one. And I think kind of, I mean, the fact that we're doing two 25 year, 25th anniversary movies. 94 was oh. a good year for movies. <laughs> so was it ever? Plenty we could have uh, chosen, really. But, I mean, it's interesting, too, that we kind of come off last year's anniversary, what year, basically, we did, not month, uh, with Last Action Hero. And then we go into this because... You know, you got to look at 1994. This was almost seen as the comeback film for Arnold Schwarzenegger, given that uh, Last Action Hero was deemed pretty much a, a failure. But even, I feel, though, this movie did come out of it with a lot of money, a uh, Golden Globe. I, I remember growing up, a lot of the time I would talk about this film or read about this film, and it did have a fairly negative reputation for quite some time. So I think kind of it is nowadays come forward again similar to last action hero is more of a uh, i guess a cult one that's more appreciated but i guess my history quickly of this film is i at some point i would have seen this film with my dad in my early teens watching an arnie movie from the video store and basically i would watch it more so since i would have been seven when this came out so i definitely would have seen it at the movies but um yeah i i couldn't tell you the exact moment i saw this for the first time but it's one that i will at least watch every couple of years it would, it would always be on tv randomly as well but um yeah this is this is just a, a great movie i'm just gonna say that so many more times because it's true lies true <laughs> um true okay uh <laughs> it's uh it's interesting because I, i'm a big schwarzenegger fan i always have been and yet I don't remember when this movie first came out. And this was like 1994, maybe the greatest year ever for movies. Uh, before um, we recorded, I was telling Jamie like, oh, you know, we got like two 25th anniversary movies here because of how good that year was. I'm like, and even then, look at the movies we didn't pick. We didn't pick Forrest Gump, Pulp Fiction, Shawshank Redemption, The Crow, uh, The Flintstones movie. <laughs> look at all these movies we didn't pick. Natural Born Killers. And... This being the one that we pick, it just it, it seems perfect now that I've watched it because everything about this movie feels like 1994, and it feels like the best of 1994. It is dated in ways, but it was so big at the time. You know, to get an action movie that legitimately looks like it cost 200 million dollars, I mean, you didn't get that at all. 
And I think that was one of the first things that really caught my attention, you know, having no memory of when this movie came out. It was a huge hit. I think it was one of the top five highest grossing movies that year, but it wasn't a movie in 1994 that people were going on and on and on about. What would be an easy comparison to it? I mean, there's a lot of movies nowadays that maybe like Captain Marvel, you know, it makes <laughs> a ton of money. But it's not really like the movie that everybody's talking about. And then you get another movie like Get Out that's not making $250 million that everybody's going on and on about. So that's probably what had more to do with, you know, uh, movie makes a ton of money, but the thunder's stolen by Forrest Gump's and Speed's and the Lion King's that summer. So, yeah, it kind of makes sense what you said. But it was probably maybe about a year later as it was coming out on like video uh, I remember being on pay-per-view. Pay-per-view, remember that, kids? Yeah, um, yeah. You'd ha- you'd have like uh, you know a channel that would show it, and you'd call up your cable company and pay three, four dollars, and you'd get to watch that movie for one showing. It was like going to the movie, but it's at home. And I remember I was getting it on pay-per-view and uh, loving the movie. Uh, and it was sort of my introduction before I really ever was into James Bond. It was my introduction to spy movies in a way. And now going back and looking over it, I feel like I have a new appreciation for it because especially this being in 1994 and being semi-comedy, they nail more of a James Bond feel for this than any other non-James Bond movie I've ever seen before. Like the opening sequence alone belongs in a Roger Moore or a Pierce Brosnan uh, James Bond movie. So uh, it's a movie I, I think I also appreciate more the older I get. And as I mentioned last week, I don't really watch this nonstop as much as I do love the movie. Uh, every couple of years, I'll put it on, and it gets better despite being an older movie that, as I said, feels like 1994. I think we could have done any of these 10 movies, the highest-grossing movies from 94. You look at it, Forrest Gump, Lion King, True Lies, The Santa Claus, we've already done The Santa Claus, The Flintstones, Dumb and Dumber, Clear and Players in Danger, Speed, which we're about to do next week, The Mask, and Pulp Fiction. That's your top oh, 10 for 1994, people. The- and the ones that didn't even make the top ten, there's classic like Ace Ventura, mm, you know, Stargate, um, yeah, Star- Four Weddings and a Funeral. Yeah. You said The Crow, Natural Born Killers, Shawshank Redemption, D Two, The Mighty Ducks, The River Wild, ah, The Jungle Book, The River Wild, <laughs> Richie Rich Junior, another Roddy. Oh, stop it! We're doing 1994 year uh, every week. We're doing a film <laughs> from 1994. Um, yeah, and it, it's interesting too because this obviously came out in the midst of an uh what a six-year gap of james bond films you know we yeah. last had license to kill and goldeneye was still another year away so we were starved of james bond in the early 1990s at that point um and i always forget too this is actually a james cameron film because i think you everyone associates james cameron purely now with avatar and titanic kind of because that's all he does now he's like hey i'm gonna make movies like this and create records and that's everything but you know this is off the back of terminator 2 and and aliens and everything along those lines back when he was just doing i guess what normal films um but i i mean i i think from memory from titanic you're not the biggest james cameron fan so and this is the last film he did before titanic so uh, i mean do you appreciate james cameron the fact that he i mean how how, your view on james cameron doing this movie (laughs) i need to say this I love everything James Cameron made up until True Lies. Uh, it's just Titanic and Avatar, I think, are incredibly overrated movies. Uh, but, like, the first two Terminators, um, Aliens I love, True Lies, The Abyss. Like, that's such a great movie that never gets mentioned. It's so underrated. Uh, and 
this not feeling like a James Cameron movie, I think more than anything has to do with the fact that it's it's not a sci-fi movie in any way. It's not an original story. James Cameron, who always comes up with, I love to say original story, even though even his original sci-fi movies are ripped off of something else. Like if you've ever seen the original movie Westworld, you realize James Cameron just lifted Terminator from Westworld. Uh, you know, Avatar completely lifted from lifted from Dances with Wolves or uh, Last Samurai, a million other movies like that. Uh, True Lies, though, being something that was it was just it took place in the real world it's a spy movie it kind of was paying tribute to those movies james cameron wasn't trying to be anything that james cameron like with this and i know i mentioned last week that uh you know i feel like this movie worked because james cameron didn't have a hand in the script because he's not a good writer only to realize as i'm watching the opening credits that he wrote the screenplay for this (laughs) but it's based on another movie so the characters, I think, all work because James Cameron didn't have a hand in it. Uh, because let's be honest, name one memorable character uh, or try to name three or four memorable characters from a James Cameron movie. Right. But, yeah. Jack? Like, there's just a Billy Zane. <laughs> Shut up. The iceberg. Don't ever mention that movie again. <laughs> the iceberg. Yeah. Uh, but no, it's, James Cameron is a person I dislike. James Cameron movies. They're up until 1994. Great movies. <laughs> um, poor James Cameron. Um, well, not really. He's very rich. But I think <laughs> the thing too that this is what his third film with Arnold Schwarzenegger. It makes me kind of disappointed that we didn't see Arnie in Titanic or Avatar. Like I'm the king of the world. Like oh, that's a terrible impersonation. <laughs> I don't know what that was. <laughs> <laughs> Draw me like one of your French girls, Jack. Um, <laughs> I want to see Arnie put into Titanic and Avatar. Now, I can't quote Avatar because are there any quotes in Avatar? I'm blue. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I've seen that movie once, like 10 years ago. I can't even remember it. There's, there's like blue things and ships and Michelle Rodriguez. That's about it. But um, but this cast, though, like I sort of mentioned it just in the lead up, though. Like, obviously, Arnie. We're huge Arnie fans. Love Jamie Lee Curtis. Um, even though there's there's certainly one scene in this film that I can't appreciate the way that I wish I could appreciate because Jamie Lee Curtis, particularly older Jamie Lee Curtis, just reminds me of my mum. Like, she just looks like my <laughs> mum. So I can never appreciate the uh, the undressing scene in this movie. Um, Tom Arnold, love Tom Arnold. Uh, He should be in more things. Bill Paxton, may he rest in peace. Again, uh, uh, often collaborated with James Cameron. Um, And even like I always get T. Carreras in this movie. Like the early 1990s, she was in everything, wasn't she? Um, Mm -hmm. And very young Eliza Dushku, who. I always, he's a weird one that I always get her confused with. I always think she's the young girl from Face Off. So I'm just, I'm always expecting what? her in this movie to say like, can someone tell me what planet I'm on? <laughs> the snotty daughter, the snotty teenage daughter. Yeah. yeah Not they yeah. look anything alike. No, but I just, I just, they've kind of got similar roles, don't they? <laughs> like, I mean, they yeah. don't really do much. Um, one's kind of gone on to be more famous, and it's not the one from True. Uh, from uh, what's it called? Face Off. off. No. Do we work out what she's done? Uh, and Charlton Heston is randomly. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> Charlton Heston. Um, who? Funny connection. On the day that we're recording this to kind of date this, we just actually recorded our Captain Marvel review, uh, featuring Nick Fury, and apparently, uh, the character of the Charlton Heston in this movie is actually. 
based on Nick Fury from the... I was wondering about that. Yeah, I was reading that in the trivia about it. So, I mean, you've got to go about this guy. Art Malik as well. I haven't mentioned him. Um, I mean, this cast is incredible. No, it is. And it's not just, oh, this is a good cast, because there's a lot of movies where you look back on it 25 years later and you're like, whoa, look at the cast that this movie had. Um, this is sort of similar to Galaxy Quest, where not all these people were at the top of their game when it came out. But 25 years later, these people are way more famous than they were 25 years ago. And yet you go back and you watch the original movie and they all could have been just as big stars back then. Like before they really made it big, some of these people were delivering great performances in this movie. I mean, Bill Paxton, I'd argue, I don't know when Bill Paxton ever became a star. I mean, he was in massive movies like Apollo 13 and yet nobody really ever talked about him until, I don't know, 10 years after that. Uh, like this is to me, this feels like the greatest thing Jamie Lee Curtis ever did pre Scream Queens. <laughs> it feels like one of the best things Bill Paxton ever did. It feels like one of the greatest things that, that Hollywood legend Charlton Heston ever did. Like <laughs> everybody's so on their game of this movie. It's not quite at the level of Galaxy Quest just because of the screen time thing, but of all these incredible actors. How nuts is it that Tom Arnold steals this movie every time he's on screen? And I'm talking about this with Jamie because, you know, she's sort of the opposite of me. She never really looks at True Lies as one of her favorite movies. But she's like, I used to watch this movie every single day when I was a kid, like every single day. So she knows by heart. And the whole time she's like, oh, I love this guy so much. And it's Tom Arnold every time. Well, he was actually recently within the last two years in Australia. uh, We have a kind of a celebrity version of Survivor. I think they did a season in America where I'm a celebrity, get me out of here. Um, And Tom Arnold was kind of like the big star that they got. Usually they try and get sort of like some, you know, has-been actor from the US. I think they got like one of the people from the Brady Bunch in it one year and all this sort of stuff. So, yeah, Tom Arnold was in it about two years ago and pretty much the only way they marketed him was like, he went side-by-side with Arnold Schwarzenegger. So, like, they pretty much targeted him and, like, you know, made out that he was purely known for true lies. And honestly, like, it's probably the main thing I know him from. I mean, I know he had, like, a small role in Awesome Powers. He was, what, married to Roseanne. Married to Roseanne. Yeah. Um, so... What? Do you yeah. know what's weird about that? Like, because after he got married with Roseanne, she kind of pulled a lot of strings and got him his own TV show. And he had a couple of starring roles around this time, too. Tom Arnold, if you remember 1994 at all, or it may have been different there, you know, here in North America, at least. He was hated. Like, the media hated him. The public hated him. And they hated him solely because it was viewed that Roseanne was pushing her husband. And the only thing I could really compare it to was, like, do you remember Pauly Shore? Yeah, yeah. There was a biodome like, guy, right? Wasn't yeah, it? yeah. It's kind of like the Pauly Shore thing, where it's like he kept being given movies, but everybody on the planet was like, "This guy's so annoying." That's what Tom Arnold was before this movie came out. Like Tom Arnold being in a movie meant people would probably avoid it. So the fact that he got so much love for this movie just shows how good he is, because people had decided they hated Tom Arnold before they ever bothered to watch anything, and he's so good in this movie. I'm glad that he's still looked at as the guy from True Lies, you know, even though he's done a lot of other things since then, because he owns every second of this movie. Who is the modern equivalent? Army Hammer? <laughs> I don't know. Is it, was... it what, Jay, Jay Courtney? <laughs> yeah. yeah. 
was going to say Adam Sandler, but I mean, he kind of just does it because he knows he can get away with it because he's Adam Sandler. Yeah, like, exactly. Fuck, I've got fans. I'm going to do what I do. Yeah. Uh, Nic- <laughs> Nicholas Cage is kind of similar. I can kick you in him. But people no, love Nicholas Cage. Nic- but people love yeah. Nicholas Cage, though, so it's kind of different. I mean, Johnny Depp's kind of in that category now, isn't yeah. he? Everyone yeah. hates Johnny Depp all of a sudden. So, <laughs> um, yeah, all right. Hello, Army Hammer, if you're listening. Um, <laughs> sorry. <laughs> sorry, Army Hammer. <laughs> I'm nothing against you. Um, call me by your name and whatever. But um, Tom Arnold actually... Things with peaches. He did, yes. Um, Tom Arnold like sued the producers of uh, I'm a Celebrity, Get Me Out of Here because he, they didn't pay him or something like that or something. So he like he went on like some rant about it and everything. But like I, the the funny thing we talk about like this movie being dated. The, the thing that dates this movie to me is Tia Carrera. Is it Carrera or Carrera? Like I never know. I think it's Carrera. Carrera. Because I mean... <laughs> What what has she done since 1994? I know she was in an episode Relic of Nip Hunter. Tuck. Um, Did you ever see the TV show she had, Relic Hunter? It ran for like five years, I I've think. I've heard of it, but I've never seen it. It was like, I think it was probably late 90s, early 2000s. It was basically female Indiana Jones. I mean, very similar to Tomb Raider, you'd say. Not a great show. One of those you know, uh, shows that were big in, like, in syndication, kind of like Xena Warrior Princess or... Anything with Kevin Sorbo in it, who I love. But yeah, I, I remember that show being on all the time because it was a syndicated show, but it ran for a couple of years. Actually, she appeared at the uh, Winnipeg Comic Con last year, and it literally does not look like she's aged a day in 25 years. I, well, the Comic Con I went to, she was there too, actually, and um, I walked past her. <laughs> My, <that's, laughs> she was within like 30 centimeters of me. She might have looked at me, I don't know. But um, she was in an I episode of Blue Bloods recently. That's another thing I saw her in. Was she texting Tom Arnold? <laughs> yes. Um, absolutely. Oh, she was in Veronica's closet. <laughs> she was in Veronica's closet. Look at that. We need to do it. Um, oh, Veronica's closet month. We're in it. Yeah. But the thing was, you talk about Bill Paxton. It's like, um, I sort of, when Mallory saw a bit of this movie, she was like, oh, yeah, Bill, you know. And actually, no, because we, we watched Titanic after the notebook. I said, I really want to watch Titanic. So we did. Um, and she's like, what else is he in? And I was trying to explain. And I'm like, oh, you know, Twister. She's like, straight up, like, oh, yeah, Twister. Uh, because yeah. it really, you look at his filmography, and I think we might have talked about this during Twister. Like, you know, he's been in so many big movies, but I feel it wasn't until Twister that he really kind of had his his own little vehicle to kind of have, wasn't it? So, mm. but he's so good. He's always good as kind of like the sleazy little slime ball, isn't he? Uh, <laughs> Bill he, and, and in all honesty, that's one of the reasons why I feel like I wouldn't rank Twister or Apollo 13 among my favorite Bill Paxton roles, despite those easily being my favorite movies he made. Because he's okay as a nice guy. He's great as a dirtbag. <laughs> oh, I miss Bill. It's so sad. I can't believe he's dead. Like, he just... Yeah. Anyway, um, let's start this movie. Um, it's, it's, it is very 90s, the opening credits. <laughs> like, the way oh, yeah. you've got the word, like, true, and then it, like, spins around. It's like, lies. It's like a very 1990s uh, computerized introduction. Kind of reminds me of the future. It's a screensaver from Windows 3.1 yeah. that we see in Eric. Oh, oh Windows yeah. 3.1. <laughs> oh, those were the days. Uh, <laughs> so we're at uh, Lake Chapeau, Chapeau in Switzerland. Uh, very nice looking house. And we've got a weird gate that's kind of through the ice. I'm guessing it's a lake. And we've got... Arnie uh, swimming under the um, the ice and uh, not not ground ice. Ice. Uh, I believe this is what how Arnie... the dinosaurs. The ice age. 
I think this is what cast him as Mr. Freeze. Uh, yeah. I have so much experience with ice and true lies, you should cast me as Mr. Freeze. I know exactly what it is like. I can wear tuxedo underneath my, my swimsuit. <laughs> Which is very James Bond when he gets out of the water and he's wearing a tux, tuxedo. I do like kind of Tom Arnold. And who's the other guy, the third guy who's in Dante's Peak? What's his name? Grant Heslop. Right, yeah, him. I knew that. You know what's uh, funny about him is that he's he's. I don't even know how much he acts anymore, but he became George Clooney's producing partner and has been nominated for Oscars for Best Picture. Oh, I thought you were about to say he became George Clooney. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> George Clooney retired. Lies, and then a year later, ER. Interesting. <laughs> he was too too. He hated being George Clooney, so he just retired. <laughs> now, his love. Is George Clooney. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I like kind of them in the van and they're all like, you know, you're on talk radio, you're on the air. <laughs> Just think they do that. And then if I've always wanted a lot in life, uh, you know, I wanted to experience a lot of things. But now I can finally tick off the bucket list that Arnold Schwarzenegger speaks French. Uh, <laughs> Bonjour. Oh, I've got it better than that. I watched this. I had my old DVD copy I was watching, and I had subtitles on. And when he starts speaking Arabic, saying, uh, I need to take a leak, and he's saying it in Arabic, they put in brackets underneath it in perfect Arabic. Yes, that was on the my copy can't... too. Yes, yeah, can't speak even broken English, but his Arabic is perfect. Maybe, like, he's just so good at other languages. So, like, maybe he's in all these French and Arabic films we don't know about. Like, oh, wow, he's such a good actor. And it's just in English. Hello, I'm Anud. I can't speak very well. Uh, well, you know that when his head's exploding in Total Recall, he's actually speaking in Arabic. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. This is why we do Arnie movies, everyone, because you can't get away with it. Gives him. us an excuse. Kind of in a Ryan Gosling movie. Like, I'm Ryan Gosling. Uh, <laughs> but just, I love the way, like, this is why he's so good as a spy. Like, I mean, he wouldn't be a good James Bond, let's be honest. But, like, I mean, just how we can just walk in so natural. It's like, Colonel, it's so good to see you again. <laughs> just, <laughs> like, I'm really not on the ball today when it comes to my Arnie impersonations. <laughs> um, but he, and I just love the Colonel's like, who's that guy? I don't know. I've never seen him before in my life. Uh, so he sees Tia Carrera as well. Uh, we see her for the first time. He goes upstairs and he's obviously trying to hack into this computer, Windows 3.1. <laughs> Uh, are we going to look back in like 20 years' time and go, wow, Windows 10, how old school's that? Windows 10. <laughs> <laughs> iPhone 10, iPhone X, what's that? Dinosaur relic. Uh, look yeah, at those VR glasses. <laughs> <laughs> Uber, self-drive cars. What a lo- What a loser. Um, those kids are on Instagram. <laughs> Facebook. Why can't you look at MySpace now? Like, God, MySpace was the shit back in the day. Now you're a loser for having it. Stupid Justin Timberlake ruined MySpace, by the way. Everyone blame him. Um, Ooh, Justin Timberlake! <laughs> <laughs> he sounded like Vanessa Redgrave there. Mm-hmm, Justin Timberlake. <laughs> Justin Timberlake month, coming soon. I'd be down for that. Social network, um, whatever that one that wasn't with Natalie Portman with, with friends with benefits or no strings attached, one of them. Um, what was the other one? Alpha Dog. Yeah, Alpha Dog. Um, 
Yeah, and that other one that he's in. I'm sure it's... The video for Crimea River. We've got our month. <laughs> oh, God, what a month. Um, yeah, I've written down perfect Arabic. Um, he's, what does he say? Like, I need to take a leak in Arabic. Yeah. I really wish we had, like, an Arabic speaker that we could just... Can we verify that, please, someone who speaks Arabic out there? Um, and then the guards know someone's broken in because the ice is broken. <laughs> Very well trained guards, like, oh no, the, the ice is broken. We've got an intruder. <laughs> um, and he meets Tia Carrera and then he ends up tangoing with her, which is kind of a cool scene. And what's that, Tom Arnold? You don't have time to tango, buddy. Um, and apparently, Arnold Schwarzenegger, the hardest thing he found about this whole movie was learning to tango. He wanted to do it perfectly, and it took him like six months or something like that. To, uh... It's as perfect as Eric, I swear. Oh, I know, I know. Arnold Schwarzenegger doing the tango. Yes, please. Um, uh, and then eventually uh, we find out that uh, this woman is, what, an antiquities collector and uh, basically she's got offices in Rome and gives him his car- her card. So uh, we're never going to um, see her again, probably not. Uh, so Arnie then goes to leave. Again, it's one of these movies where we're not calling him by a character's name. He's Arnie. And oh. it's like, what's your exit strategy? He's like, I'm just going to walk at the building. Uh, <laughs> we've got one of the most iconic moments from this movie. Sir, sir, I need to see your invitation. Presses a button, blows up a building. There's my invitation. <laughs> <laughs> Total James Bond line too. Uh, and then one of my favorite bits, and I, I hope there's a gif of this out there because I want it, is when they send the dogs after him and they run up <laughs> yes. and he head slams the dogs into each other. Stay. <laughs> I so wanted to find that as my profile pick. <laughs> oh, Artie is built for these movies. <laughs> uh, when he ends up in a big chase through the snow, he's like sliding backwards, uh, George Lazenby style, firing off a few rounds um, and gets away from everything. And then I guess what this movie is really about is sort of his balance of life between the fact that he's off doing this in Switzerland, but then he's just going to pull up outside his family home with some fake passports, some souvenirs. Here's a snow globe for your daughter. Um, Go inside. Um, So he goes inside, and yes, his wife thinks he's what a... um, as a, a salesperson of some sort, or... Mattress sales, I think. Ma- yeah, mattress. <laughs> <laughs> of course he is. That's just his go-to. It's his universal exports of Arnold Schwarzenegger land. Um, it's Jamie Lee Curtis is his wife, not Elijah Dushku, if anyone's uh, trying to work down at home. That's a bit creepy. Um, but we do meet uh, young Dana Tasker for the first time. Was this Eliza Dushku's first ever role? It had to have been. She, let's have a look here. Uh, no, it was her fourth role. She was in a movie called That Night in 1992, followed by This Boy's Life. And then she was in a short movie called Fishing with George. Uh, Clooney or Grant Heslov? <laughs> oh, you can't tell. Uh, it was a seamless transition <laughs> in 1994. Uh, oh, she was also in Race the Sun. That's a good movie. I don't know if you've ever seen that one. Oh, Jill Edgerton, too. Yeah, that's like uh, based on the solar races in the middle of Australia. Mm-hmm. Uh, Halle Berry's in that movie, um, as is Anthony Rivivar, a.k.a. Carlos from Third Watch. And Casey Affleck apparently is in that movie. Um, wonder if you he know, I have a person. sad story about Race the Sun. Um, you raced when... it and you lost? <laughs> when that movie was coming out, there was... Uh, 
I don't remember if it was on the radio or if it was on TV, but one of those things where it's like, you know, our ninth caller will win tickets to the premiere of Race the Sun, like for the local, you know, screening yeah. of it. And I won tickets to it and I was going to go. And then that day was like minus 35 <laughs> and I wasn't allowed to go outside. So I missed that. Oh, so you couldn't race the sun. You couldn't even see the sun. It was like, go inside. Yeah. You're in Winnipeg. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> wow. Well, that's a bit sad. Did you see it after or have you still not I seen it? I have seen it. Yeah. No, I saw it like <laughs> when I was years later, maybe 10 years later. I thought it was like a tragic story. <laughs> it comes like, and I've still never seen <laughs> Chase the Sun to this day. <laughs> Every year, I hope you will let us watch it. It never happens. I keep waiting for the radio to give us another contest, and it's not coming. I'm still stuck inside. <laughs> it's still minus 35. Yeah, where's that radio contest, like, uh, you know, 23 years later? Finally, you've been waiting for it. Once again, we're giving away <laughs> tickets to see Chase the Sun returning to cinemas is- for one week only. Next week, next year... Is the 20th anniversary of Race the Sun. We could do it for anniversary month. Yay! <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> get excited. It's nearly the 30th anniversary, isn't it? Um, anyway, so he's lying to Jamie Lee Curtis. He's in a convention. Um, and what is he like going on? Like, it's what I love about the computer business. Um, <laughs> then I like the next morning when... Uh, I just kind of actually like the way these two work off each other. When what are they talking about? Like the plumbing, and Jamie Lee Curtis is just like, "Yeah, I slept with him." Said he'd knock off a hundred dollars. Yeah, he's <laughs> just like, "Good thinking." <laughs> <laughs> these two just have great chemistry with each other. Um, Tom Arnold comes in and puts something on the the mantelpiece. Um, and then I love it when uh, the daughter's like putting on the helmet, and then Tom Arnold's like, Oh, hey, I remember the first time I got shot out of a cannon. <laughs> <laughs> it shouldn't be funny, but I just love that line. It's just so random. Uh, and then we get these surveillance where a pack of cigarettes can have a little camera, very 1990s, like, Ooh, a camera and a pack of cigarettes. Um, and this, we see, um, young Elijah Dushku stealing some money and getting on a motorbike and Honey's trying to stop her. Honey, honey, (laughs) come back, come back. (laughs) Um, and they're stuck in traffic. We're in Washington, DC. You would have appreciated the line when, uh, Tom Arnold's like, oh, you're not her parents. Her parents are Axl Rose and Madonna. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Very early 90s. Uh, 25 years later. Axel Rose and Madonna. (laughs) Both still long-haired, aging people trying to hang on to their fame. One successful, the others in Guns N' Roses. Uh, (laughs) I was going to make the same joke the opposite way. Uh, he's Tom Arnold just banging on about the fact where it's like, oh, you know, you think she's a virgin? She's probably stealing that money for an abortion. It's like... (laughs) How very 90s is this? Like, it's kind of like... You can make abortion jokes. But, but like, it's also the fact, too, that it's kind of like, oh, you know, how shocking is it that teenagers at 14 are having sex? Like, it's kind of... Remember back then when that was a shock? Like, nowadays it's just a norm. We're all having sex at 14. Well, I was. I don't know about you. you you're, what, nearly 34 and you haven't had sex yet. I don't know how Jamie had the babies. But... Um... I should... Sorry... I swear I heard you say we're all having sex with 14-year-olds. Oh, yeah, that's um, exactly not what I said. What are you talking about? 
My parents are Madonna and Axel Rose. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, they go into this corridor and they're um, skeletons with guns on them. It's probably a Mission Impossible. Mission Impossible stole this from True Lies. Um, <laughs> And they're getting their eyes scanned and they go into uh, their big secret organization. What, what are they called? A mega force or something like that? Uh, Omega Sector. Omega, like, Last okay. line of defense. What's what's the, um, the the Mission Impossible one called? IMF. IMF. And it stands for Impossible Mission for what yeah. it was like. Why do they come up with such lame names? For, like, <laughs> Omega Sector. IMF. Like... Can't they just come up with, like, instead of, like, the CIA, they're, like, instead of Central Intelligence Agency, they're, like, the Central Intelligence Company, like, CIC or something like that? Like, surely it's not that hard to come up with something that actually sounds menacing. Like a, Well, like, like the Canadian spy agency, CSIS. CSIS. CSIS Spot Run. Um, <laughs> CSIS and Assist. Australia, it's ASIO. So, you know, like, come up with some sort of funky acronym or something like that. Like, you could have, you could have ACES, Arnie Security Investigation Service. Like, I don't know. I, you know what I always thought? CSIS to me always sounded like a boil. Like, do you want to lance the CSIS on my gut here? <laughs> That's a medication. I've got a CSIS on my knee. Um, it's, <laughs> it's a bit gross. Um, but we meet Charlton Heston. <laughs> wow. <laughs> in a movie how is charlton heston in a movie in 1994 <laughs> with arnold schwarzenegger this is crazy like they actually have charlton heston in a movie did like this he have, i i know that he had a cameo in the tim burton planet of the apes movie but did he have any other like major roles after true lies or was this kind of the end for him he was in bowling for columbine um he shut the door on <laughs> michael moore <laughs> does that count <laughs> he was in cats and dogs apparently <laughs> what As- was he a voice? I'm assuming. I don't think he was in a cat suit. Ah, uh, <laughs> um, uh, pussy galore. <laughs> he was the voice of German Shepherd at HQ, uncredited. Uh, Did he have an eye patch? <laughs> probably. Can we do Cats and Dogs in Tobey Maguire month? And Alec Baldwin yeah. month? He's in that as well. <laughs> Aren't they making a third one now? Oh, it took them, what, 15 years to make the second? I'm sure they are. Yeah, I think I saw like a poster for it, it, it um, when I went to see Captain Marvel. Unless that was literally a poster for the 2010 one and they just haven't taken it down. <laughs> because according to this, there's, there's a- nothing coming out. So clearly they've just left the posters up for like nine years. Wow. There's a store here in uh, Winnipeg that... Um, oh, I thought that was a uh, joke. Must- there's a video store no, in Winnipeg. Oh. They still have video stores. <laughs> we have two in Chicago. They, uh, I thought it was open for the longest time, not to realize that it's actually been deserted for years. Because for about two years, I would drive past this thing. I'm like, look, they still got posters up for uh, Paul with Seth Rogen and uh, 50-50 with Joseph Gordon-Levitt. And like those movies now, the poster is still up and they're faded. So I'm like, oh, the building's deserted. I get it. Well, you know the ones here are still open when you drive past and it's like Bohemian Rhapsody out now. Yeah. <laughs> I actually Reserve did a, your VHS today. I actually did a feature on the video stores opened in here and how they're actually doing quite well. And they've got no plans on closing down. So, welcome to Invercargill, where the Kitty Galore, the Cats and Dogs sequel, is still showing in cinemas. <laughs> uh, like, legitimately, there were posters for this in this cinema I went to last <laughs> night. I actually thought there's a third Cats and Dogs movie coming out. It's for the second one. <laughs> <laughs> 
That's hilarious. So yes, uh, Charlton Heston's in this movie, aka White Nick Fury, um, and he just plays your standard grumpy head of security. You know, like, oh, what were you doing there, blowing stuff up? Um, like again, like it's kind of like, how does he get lumped into this role where he really does nothing except be grumpy? Like, it's just such an odd role for Charlton Heston to be in it. Um, we find out that Tia Carrera is evil, um, and that uh, we're going to have to go um, chase down her a little bit. She's in Washington, so um, oh, that is for the timing. So Arnie goes to see her. He sort of lies. I want something dramatic for my boss's lobby. I, just, I don't know what that accent is. <laughs> <laughs> Um, so he's basically trying to find out about this stuff. We see for the first time, uh, Art Malik in the background, evil guy. We don't know he's evil just yet. And Arnie goes back to this hotel room with Tom Arnold and they're doing a bit of surveillance on them. And then we meet, uh, Art Malik. He's Salim Abu Aziz, a uh, pretty common Arabic name there, I reckon. Uh, and ends up slapping Tia Carrere and, uh, we find out that, oh, you stupid bitch, you brought them here. Um, and you're flirting with this guy, and that's my Arabic accent, apparently. Um, so we we don't know much about him yet, but oh no, they're evil because he's even more evil. Because again, oh, 1994, you could slap a woman and no one blinked an eye. Um, <laughs> that sounded really wrong, but hey, when do things not sound wrong when it comes out of my mouth? Um, Jamie Lee Curtis calls Arnie because it's his birthday, and I will be home. Trust me, I promise. Um, it's not like we haven't heard that before in every Arnie movie I think we've covered Jingle yeah. All The Way. <laughs> I would get the toy for you, I promise. Um, what was the dog getting put down in the sixth day? Sixth day, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we had to put him down. I'm sorry. <laughs> what is that? What's Oscar? he doing at my birthday party? <laughs> Simpalsim. <laughs> will you shut her up? <laughs> Quiet. Go to sleep, Cindy. Oh, I love that movie. Um... But as he's driving home, uh, I love how Tom Arnold's basically just his driver. Um, yeah. <laughs> it's a hat. <laughs> they're being followed. Um, so he gets out of the car and uh, uses his cigarette surveillance package to uh, to watch it. And we get into a uh, big chase sequence uh, involving a bike and a horse. Uh, Tom Arnold just calling up Jamie Lee Curtis. A very calm. Like, oh, yeah, she's going to be late. She's going to go back to the office and pick something. Um, we get this fight sequence in the uh, toilet actually before we get the chase don't we with the old man on the toilet again mission impossible james bond stealing from yep. true lies here uh it's a pretty epic fight though like it's uh full-on punching and guns going everywhere uh with these two random henchmen who then ultimately both die and then we get into this epic chase with a horse and a bike what's the line that uh Artie says like my horse is getting tired yeah. and Tom <laughs> is like your horse <laughs> um, they go into a hotel and great scene with the elevator in your opening line of say something well that's a mighty fine animal you have there <laughs> <laughs> let's be honest it is it's again it's a pretty good looking horse that's a, um, that's a good looking horse yes <laughs> they go up to the roof and um art malik drives off the roof with a motorbike and i just love how he's like you think he's gonna do this epic leap on the building with this horse to across to this other skyscraper with the water and the horse just throws him off and i was like ah, ah, ah. Uh, back up, please. could you please back up <laughs> back up back up there's a good horsey there's a good horsey <laughs> What kind of cop are you anyway? 
what the hell were you thinking? <laughs> I love that. Uh, and I might just uh, cap it because I've basically done what, like the first 20 minutes and a half an hour of this movie. Arnie comes home and poor old uh, Jamie Lee Curtis is upset. I hurried you as fast as I could. And she's just all like, it's okay. And yeah, so there you go. There's the first half of the movie done for you. And he's also, he's missed his own birthday party that only two people were supposed to be at. Yeah. But they have like a million balloons. Can we just put out his actually... birthday in the sixth day and he had half of the freaking <laughs> Vancouver there or wherever they were. And what I love is that he actually says, thank you for the wonderful party. <laughs> there and you missed it. He's a man that doesn't expect much, Arnold Schwarzenegger. Yeah. As, long as, it, as long as there's a nanny somewhere to bang and have an illegitimate child with, he's all, he's all good. Um, I just wanted to bring this up here. So I found out how to say I need to take a leak in Arabic. Um, <laughs> and I will try to do this in Schwarzenegger's voice. Uh, <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Perfect. I'm, I'm right there. Perfect Arabic. <laughs> Anna Bihajat ila Aikel Tasarab. Perfect Arabic. Wow. I feel like I'm in, uh, I don't know, the Middle East somewhere. <laughs> Do you know what I just figured out? You're like, what accent am I doing there? Subconsciously, you're doing Schwarzenegger's perfect Arabic. That's what the merge of accents have become. <laughs> there it is. It's just, it's, you know, when if they, if they make another 9 11 movie, he's going to be one of the people on the plane, clearly. Ala <laughs> Akbar! <laughs> oh, the Oz Network, always finding humor in 9-11. Move on. Uh, sleeping with 14-year-olds. And saying horses are good looking. What do you think, what, what's more inappropriate, sleeping with a 14-year-old or sleeping with a horse? Actually, don't answer that question. Move on. Sleeping with a 14-year-old hearse. Okay. Um... <laughs> or a, a horse child, a foal. No. What? <laughs> Come on. Ben, you crossed the line now. There's a line. That's disgusting. Um, I love the opening credits, like you said. And the music, which I didn't even realize is the same composer who did Terminator 2. Because if you you really listen to it, he's basically just given us the Terminator 2 theme more heroically. It's like... The true last theme. It completely ripped off of Terminator 2. What if it was just Schwarzenegger? I was Schwarzenegger did do the Terminator theme. They need to do like an opening like a James Bond and it's just Arnie Schwarzenegger doing it like Me tell you for a view to a true lies. I was, you know, I, the first thing I really commented in my notes here was how much this opening sequence feels like James Bond and what a great James Bond director James Cameron would have made. Schwarzenegger is <laughs> the only thing that takes you out of it. Because obviously the story later on is going to become something different where, you know, it's about, you know, a guy's private life like James Bond in secret. Um, But can you imagine if Arnold Schwarzenegger would have been James Bond? Like how many classic lines would have been completely different? (laughs) Don't I've forgotten you, eh? (laughs) Hello, pussy. (laughs) I must be dreaming. (laughs) Beg your pardon, forgot to knock. (laughs) Sorry! Uh, sorry! 
<laughs> a genuine Felix Leiter. <laughs> Just a bit of sport, Miranda. Do you expect me to talk? <laughs> you should be the ones reading stories about bears who go shopping. We're <laughs> just combining Schwarzenegger and... <laughs> I thought Christmas only came once a year. <laughs> what makes you think it's my first time? <laughs> <laughs> oh, Mr. Bond. <laughs> Cuckoo. <laughs> we always lose it when we do something else doing James Bond. I don't know why. Put it on a t shirt. I have nothing to declare. Um, where are we? Opening scene? <laughs> the beginning of true uh, <laughs> uh, Yeah, the Windows 3.1. Also, it doesn't say Windows 3.1. It's written in Arabic, so it's like 3.1 or something. <laughs> um, and uh, yeah, the dog's head bit is amazing. <laughs> like, that is a Schwarzenegger meme, as you said right there. Uh, so... The um, the thing where his daughter steals the money. First of all, I want to say he brings a snow globe home. And he's like, she's going to love this. She loves little snow globes and dolls and stuff like this. She's fourteen years old, and it is such a missed thing in this movie that he really does. She just says, oh thanks, Dad. Throws it in the garbage. Look in the corner of their living room. He has a rocking horse there for her. She's fourteen years old. Why is there a rocking horse in their living room? Come outside, Daddy will push you on the swing. <laughs> honey, honey. <laughs> he really does treat her like a child. I don't blame her for rebelling against him. What's even better? And this has always been my very favorite line of the whole movie. It's one of those things where it's only the way Schwarzenegger delivers it. When they're using the spy glasses and they realize that she's taking the money. Schwarzenegger whines this line. She's ripping me off. <laughs> He's very tight with his money, Arnold Schwarzenegger. <laughs> He's just, it, there's like a lot of person like in this movie where his, his entire world should be, you know, shattering around him. He's still not sure later on if his wife's having an affair. And he's like, listen to this guy. He's stealing our stories. <laughs> and here's, she's ripping me off. Not, my daughter is riding off on a motorcycle with who knows who, stealing money. No, she's ripping. That's my money. <laughs> that was my lunch. <laughs> it was hot dog day at the cafeteria. What am I going to eat for lunch now? <laughs> I'm so upset. Fuck her phone. I want to know what she's spending it on. <laughs> but yeah, Tarmo's line. She's probably already had an abortion. <laughs> oh, the good old nineties. <laughs> under underage sex abortions. Oh, <laughs> you do have to give James Cameron credit for a guy who's not great with humor. 
I don't think there's no way he wrote Tom Arnold's lines because you can't find any real good comic relief characters in any other James Cameron movies. Billy and Tom Zang? Arnold. <laughs> the iceberg? I mean, Kathy Bates, I guess, to a certain extent. But, um, yeah, like every line of dialogue that Tom Arnold has, it feels unscripted to me like there's no way james cameron wrote that because he's not that good of a writer uh she's probably stealing the money for an abortion that was his line (laughs) it's okay she probably just needs it for an abortion (laughs) but i love how he doesn't react and he doesn't exactly react to that does he probably you're probably right tom (laughs) yeah (laughs) she must be having the sex He doesn't. There's so many uh, things in this movie that he does not blink an eyelid at. Like exactly. Like he just lets it go. Oh, my wife is doing a sexy dance with someone she thinks is a terrorist, and she's okay with this. What is going on? Uh, another great thing is this goes back to our Doctor No days. Uh, in the the scene where Tia Carrera is meeting the 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 terrorist, uh, whatever his name is, um, everything on the wall is labeled. They walk past a giant device bolted to a wall with huge letters on it that says, Breathing Apparatus. (laughs) (laughs) And what's even better is the um, Omega Sector uh, headquarters with these monitors everywhere hooked up to nothing, displaying who knows what. And Jamie's like, I love that this is like so retro. It's got these cheesy monitors everywhere. And then she said the funniest thing to me. She's like, this movie's... It's it's almost like an Austin Powers movie without the humor. And I turned slowly and looked at her. I was like, do you mean James Bond? <laughs> <'Cause that's> <laughs> <laughs> but no, Austin Powers without the humor. Does she only ever know? She's probably only seen Daniel Craig movies, so she doesn't associate humor <laughs> with James Bond. <laughs> um, also, uh, Eliza Dusku's character. Nobody can ever pronounce her name. Like, it's a tongue twister. Eliza I love Dush- her name. It's just such a name. It feels like it should be a swear word. Oh, go, Elijah Dushku yourself. Oh, Elijah um, Dushku, I trod on something. I was telling Jamie, like, I love Eliza Dushku for many reasons. Um, but <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> not not in this movie, though. <laughs> Some of which Jamie are okay with. <laughs> when she's older. Uh, when she's older. Yeah, well, no, that's my entire point, because I didn't realize it was her. I think I probably knew, like, the last time I watched the movie as well. But as I was doing research before watching this, I'm like, oh, yeah, that's who the daughter was because I hated the daughter in this movie. I'm like, this like this girl is so annoying. I hate her. I hate her guts. I hate everything about her. And that could be one of the reasons I didn't watch for five years. And now I love her. Um, The best thing she's ever been in, people have to see it, uh, Joss Whedon, who did, of course, the TV shows Buffy the Vampire Slayer, Angel, Firefly. The least known show he ever did was called Dollhouse that Eliza Dushku mm. starred in. Mm-hmm. Such a great show. She's amazing in it. She was uh, in Buffy, of course, too. She was Faith. Yeah, yeah. And then she had another show, True Calling, that was pretty good as well. So, I mean, she's definitely matured well. Um, <laughs> was, <laughs> she, she's grown yeah. up very nicely. She has. Yeah, exactly. You know, <laughs> much better than at the age of fourteen. But, well, it's uh, it's kind of like when I creep people out when I say uh, uh, about Michelle Trachtenberg when I watch Harriet the Spy. Like, oh, I had such a big crush on her. Like Ben, she's like ten, and I'm like, <laughs> I was nine when that movie came out for starters. And secondly, she's well, grown up very nicely. So shut up. <laughs> I was telling Jamie about. It. I'm like, you know that 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 
the the girl in that movie, the daughter, is my girl from you know <laughs> my dreams and everything else. But uh, Jamie's like, does it make her hotter now that you know she <laughs> you, she hit puberty and <laughs> really peaked? I'm like, no, because I hated her. <laughs> no, I'm not like, Ben. Yeah, exactly. Who am I, Ben? <laughs> but uh, another funny thing about the that character is that Jamie, who of course watched this every day growing up and probably knows it by heart, is like, uh, you know, his daughter in this movie has my name. <laughs> I'm like, what? It's like Jamie. I'm like, that's the little boy from Jingle All the Way. She goes, all right. <laughs> Well, we've worked that out actually watching the James Bond movies that M is Mallory. So it's kind of like, <laughs> hey, awesome, I'm marrying M. <laughs> and I married Jake Lloyd from Jingle yes. All the Way. You married Anakin Eli- Skywalker and yes. I'm marrying M. I could have had Eliza Dushku and I ended up with Jake Lloyd. <laughs> and speaking of Anakin Skywalker, Colin, what should we say at this point? <laughs> oh, you know what? You know what? Jake Lloyd, he's coarse, he's rough, he's irritating, he gets everywhere. <laughs> there we go. Take it off. <laughs> Star Wars, man. Coming soon. The Oz Network. <laughs> um, you know, yeah, so um, one funny line they had here when they start stalking the terrorists with his, his spy cam. Uh, two funny lines here. One where they're saying, like, terrorists, they're really inconsiderate about other people's schedules. <laughs> <laughs> and then maybe next to Windows 3.1, the thing that dates us more than anything else. Just a minute. I'm going to get a closer look at Beavis and Butthead here. <laughs> <laughs> um, you think Arnie bathroom... watches Beavis and Butthead? Like, oh, I guarantee it. <laughs> hey, Beavis, Beavis <laughs> <laughs> and Butthead impression. <laughs> you can Shut see up, boobs. <laughs> <laughs> Shut up, Butthead. <laughs> Who would that be? Like Arnie and Sylvester Stallone in the the real life version. <laughs> Schwarzenegger is Beavis. <laughs> I'd watch that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> With Grant Heslov as Daria. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> this is my stop. Got it. We know get man of many faces. <laughs> do you don't like Daria, do you? No, well, I've seen like two episodes. It's okay. I used to love that watching growing up. Listen to uh, Daria um, on Random Rewatch we did back in December or November or whatever. Uh, the, the bathroom fight is great. Now, I had a question for you because you mentioned Casino Royale did it. Um, what were the other ones? Mission Impossible, obviously. Uh, Terminator 3, you got to include that in there as well. Oh, yeah. Been a while since I've seen Terminator 3. Underrated Terminator movie. I'm excited to get there later in this year because I, I feel like... to the Oz Network. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but obviously, I would say Mission Impossible is the ultimate bathroom fight scene now. But yeah. what would you rank as the next best? Like True Lies, Casino ooh. Royale, or three? Um, ooh, again, it's been a while since I've seen Terminator 3, so I don't remember it as well as the other one. I mean, yeah, Mission Impossible, just that's great. Um, didn't they have done it twice in two Mission Impossible movies? Or is it just in the most recent one? I think it's just in Fallout, yeah. Uh, I mean, look, the Santa Royale one's good. It's just short. Like, it's it's over pretty quickly. Whereas, I, I think this one's great. I, I just love the, the element of the old guy. Like, and, like Arnie seems to be saying sorry a lot in this movie. Like, he's always like, sorry, sorry. Like, he's on the horse, sorry. And he's like to the old guy, sorry. 
Um, so I'd probably go Mission Impossible, then I'd probably go this and Casino Royale. Again, I'm not ranking Terminator. Cause it's, again, it's been a while since I've seen it. So, You know, I would have said Casino Royale until I watched this most recent time. And it's the mistakes in this fight scene that make this so much better. <clears throat> Pay attention. When they do the hand-to-hand combat or foot-to-gut combat, <laughs> when Schwarzenegger kicks him in the stomach, you hear a slap-across-the-face effect. <laughs> when... He puts the guy's head through the porcelain urinal. You hear a very clear metal-on-metal sound. (laughs) The sound effects are all over the place in here. And then the best moment, which I would not have noticed until Jamie pointed out, was when Schwarzenegger's sliding across the floor to grab the gun with his mouth wide open, diving through toilet water like it's a slip and slide. (laughs) Mouth wide open! I do love the taste of toilet water. It's like the, the boat trip through the goose pond in notebook it's just disgusting <laughs> but it's so romantic <laughs> this is more romantic than that yeah um and uh yeah the 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 whole chase scene on the horse that's probably what this movie's best remember i'd say this movie's remembered for two things it's remembered for jamie lee curtis's strip scene not just jamie lee curtis stripping but more just how clever that scene was that they took this mousy mom and then all of a sudden she does the strip scene. That and this horse chase, which is amazing. And also the elevator stunt is incredible. I mean, just seeing a horse in an elevator. Uh, <laughs> we mentioned back his last action hero, like Schwarzenegger loves his elevators. Uh, the um, the thing with the, the horse flipping him off the, the, the front of it, that and the guy who dives off of here that's like grade a stunt work i mean when i said this is like the james bond movie that's the difference they really went all out they made this movie look like a million dollars they had guys doing stunts that your jaws drop and you're like i can't believe a human being was allowed to do this and pulled it off the stunt work in this movie i would rank among some of the best stunts i've ever seen and this chase scene is one of the best examples even though the guy who's playing Arnold Schwarzenegger, his stunt double, looks nothing like Schwarzenegger. <laughs> and you get very clear views of him. I swear it's Peter Weller, who uh, was the original <laughs> Robocop, and also Kurt Henderson from 24, we mentioned yeah. in another episode. Um, it does not look anything like Schwarzenegger, but the chase scene is just amazing. Um, also, the, the guy he fights in the, the bathroom scene, I missed this. It's the Arab Lou Ferrigno, which is great because Arnold Schwarzenegger <laughs> and Lou Ferrigno broke into this business together as bodybuilders. Um, do I have anything else in here? Oh, yeah. Um, during the, uh, the, the, the chase scene here also, before they get to the elevator when they're still on foot, uh, Tom Arnold's thing where he's hiding behind the thinnest pole on the planet. Yes, yes and he grabs his balls. Yeah, and whispers, oh, thank God. <laughs> uh, and then Arnold Schwarzenegger, something you never would have noticed, even though what Predator came out long before this, he utters the line, get to the car! Yeah. <laughs> Not to mention, um, maybe the, the line that appeared the most in trailers, uh, where he's in the elevator with the horse and he goes, would you mind pressing the button for the top floor, please? <laughs> with, well, with the old man, that's great. Uh, also, uh, you can't include the what kind of cop are you without the look at me when I'm talking to you. And, he's talking yeah. to the <laughs> and such great chemistry with that horse, too. Yeah, like we, we talked about, you know, actors like Tim Allen having great chemistry with everybody. Schwarzenegger is in that list. There's a reason why Tim Allen and Arnold Schwarzenegger are the most covered actors in the history of the Oz Network. 
When, where's their movie together? Like, I want to see them. Oh, junior 2. Junior. <laughs> you were very quick to that. You're like, Junior 2. <laughs> of all ones that it should be, Junior 2. <laughs> ah, I'm giving birth. <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> Just bear it out and push it. <laughs> uh, apparently, this is the very first movie. Uh, according to Guinness World Records, at least, to have ever had a production budget of over $100 million. There's really? A tribute, there's a trivia fact for you. That's interesting. Uh, of course, it has to be James Cameron spending all the money. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I'm convinced that James Cameron comes in well under budget. And it's just like, um, how much should we pay for those pair of shoes there? $50 million. Well, the Titanic. I mean, God, he built that like out of Lego. Um <laughs> Poured some water from a tap. Yeah, I need two hundred million for a giant tanking Mexico. Yep, yep, that's exactly what I need. Yep. So, what do you need for this scene where the water rushes across the deck? I want you to bring in every bottle of Aquafina you can find from Europe. <laughs> so, you want everybody in this movie to be blue but digital? Like, yeah, like I got this really good program off, like you know, the internet, but it cost two hundred million dollars. <laughs> and you know, for a guy who's driving up the budgets of this movie, who do you want to star in this? Sam Worthington. <laughs> really? <laughs> we see we have a big names in Titanic. Sam Worthington? <laughs> Is that all that was available? Sam Worthington. <laughs> a guy that ten years later, you still go, Oh yeah, here's a thing. Like... I mean it could have been worse. It could have been Jai Courtney. <laughs> well at least Jai Courtney kind of tries. Sam Worthington just goes and marries random models and punches paparazzi in New York and apparently still relevant. Like, as an Australian, I can list, like, the 10 best Australian actors. Sam Worthington doesn't even crack the top 50. Like, (laughs) who cares about Sam Worthington? (laughs) Anyway, um, coming soon. Who cares about Sam Worthington month? Uh, well, we're going to be covering him in Terminator, aren't we? So uh... soon, and Jai Courtney. <laughs> At least Christian Bale's in there, and uh, oh, what's his name? Justin Clark is that his name? I like him. Uh, Jason Clark, yeah. Jason Clark. You know, the Terminator franchises where Australian actors go to die. We figured it out. <laughs> but people still care about Jason Clark, don't they? Like he still does okay. <laughs> Terminator, let's be honest. Um, he was in a great show. It didn't last very long called The Chicago Code. Very underrated show. Um, but yes, anyway, that could come soon once. Uh, where are we up to? So I'm like, this is probably third watch spinoff or something. And I realize it is. It's not really, but... Um... They just make them different shows. Well, there's a mayor in Chicago Code. There wasn't a mayor in third watch. <laughs> <laughs> it was in Chicago, not New York. The difference, <laughs> sort of. The Smashing Pumpkins did the opening theme in Chicago Code, and the Crystal Method did it in third. What the different bands? Uh, well, <laughs> sort of. Anyway, so um, the next day, Arnie's looking for this terrorist, and he finds him on a computer. And that, like, there is a real tone shift in this movie right about here, isn't there? Like, it yeah. kind of we have this huge like, yeah. But like, the thing is, I feel it shouldn't work, but it does. And it, it's odd because I actually just watched a video this week on YouTube. It was kind of like the top 10 movies with a sudden tone shift that changed the genre. Like it was a lot, it was a lot shorter title than that. <laughs> um, <but laughs> it, 
<laughs> you know, that wasn't a very long YouTube video title. Get a lot of clicks still. <laughs> Um, but like um, you kind of could include this maybe in that because you know we've gone from all this sort of James Bond style action movie with a bit of side stuff with his domestic life to pretty much from here on in it's just domesticated particularly at least like the next whole section with the whole Bill Paxton stuff that gets brought in Um, so Arnie's like I really screwed up with her I should go surprise her Um, so he goes to see Helen uh, aka Jamie Lee Curtis at her work but she's on the phone. She's like, yes, I can see you. Oh, I can come meet you. I can do this. And then we've got, like, a sassy co-worker who's just like, damn, get some of that for me. <laughs> like, <laughs> I love her. She's great. Um, so he goes off and then he just walks out of the office and he's basically nearly getting hit by a bus. <laughs> like, Helen, she's cheating on me. <laughs> and then Tom Arnold's reaction <laughs> Welcome to the club, buddy. <laughs> is Tom Arnold the same character as Sinbad in Jingle All the Way? <laughs> that was really a bomb. There's some sick people in this world. Sick people. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I love it there. What does he say? Like, women can't live with him, can't kill him. Can't em. kill him. <laughs> so true. Uh, <laughs> and something else that could not be repeated in 2019. Oh, there's so much. There's been a lot of articles this week. The, the latest um, piece of, uh, I guess, pop culture to be ripped apart by millennials, I don't know if you've seen, is Ace Ventura Pet Detective, because everyone's basically some some prominent comedian podcast host basically ripped into it saying it's transphobic, so everyone's agreeing with him and everyone's going off at Ace Ventura. So how long is it until this movie gets ripped into for, like, that line? Oh, true lies! Oh, it's so disgusting. Um, we're back at the dinner table and... Arnie, I came by your office today. And this is where Jamie Lee Curtis is basically going on about a disc being formatted and everything. <laughs> I so wanted that as my opening thing. And Arnie kind of phase out for a little bit. Um, Tom Arnold randomly shows up. I don't get this. He, like, Arnie drops down. What does he drop down? Like a suitcase. But then he's got, is that putting a bug in her bag or something? Is that is that what he's doing? Uh- well, I don't know because they bug the phone. He doesn't even ask to bug the phones until the next day, isn't it? Yeah, but like, is he? Arnie drops like a suitcase, but then I swear in the next scene, Tom Arnold's giving that suitcase back to Arnie with everything in it. Mm. It's like, well, didn't you? Couldn't you just done that the other way around? Um, but yeah, the next bit when he's asking to tap tap uh, Helen's phone. Um, he's going to tap Helen. What? Yeah. <laughs> well, that's the problem. He hasn't been doing that. That's why she's off seeing Bill Baxton. <laughs> Um, but I love the the fact here that, you know, Tom Arnold's like, oh, no, we can't do that. We don't have protocol. And Arnie just grabs him. We do it 20 times a day and you don't even blink an eye. You can do this. Put the cookie down. <laughs> and it's like, Tom Arnold, see you tomorrow. <laughs> <laughs> I, I just love the, the calm reaction. For, like, what is it later on when he's, like, going on about, like, oh, you know, we never do this. And don't tell me you haven't. What about that time you were getting a blowjob on the thing? He's like, you knew about that? Well, we should take 23rd and go left and go right. Um, yeah, so Helen's, we're hearing the the phone calls and uh, this guy, Simon, remember, I need you. They're going to have lunch the next day. Uh, Arnold then at dinner that night, I think we should have lunch tomorrow. Uh, it's getting worse, that accent. Um, and <laughs> she's like, oh, no, I'm going shopping with Alison uh, tomorrow. Uh, so they follow 
uh, her to a Chinese restaurant and we meet Bill Paxton for the first time. Here's Simon with his sleazy little moustache. Um, and I just love how he's like, you know, oh, my job is to take risks and I'm in the middle of something right now. Jamie Lee Curtis, oh, is it worse than Cairo? And just he's like, Cairo, ah, yes. This is a walk in the park compared to Cairo. <laughs> and then he basically claims credit for the big chase that happened in Washington the other day. That's another thing. Back to that chase with the horse and the guns in the toilet. No one blinked an eyelid. How dangerous was Washington, D.C. in 1994 yeah. that you've got, like, machine guns and Uzis going off in hotel bathrooms and people are just like, meh, just another day in Washington. Um, well, I mean, Bill Clinton, that was his time in office. There was a lot more things going off in bathrooms at that point. <laughs> wow, your dirty humor's really hitting the mark recently. <laughs> You're doing well, Colin. Those twins really are changing your uh, your humor. I like it. Um, I do like the line where Bill Paxton's like, you know, oh, I can't take the credit. It's the training. It really is. <laughs> I want I want James Bond to say that. Like, it's the training. Um, he, we see him driving off in a red convertible and we find out that he's a used car salesperson. And, uh, I love Tom Arnold's reaction here where he's just laughing about this and he's like, come on, man, if you, you know, you'd be laughing about this if it wasn't happening to you. Yeah. Um, and then Arnie shows up next and he's looking up at the car and then we get good old Bill Pax and like, yeah, you know, it's all about the pussy, right? The vet gets them wet. I'm like, yeah, that's a Colin Hilding <laughs> line recently. <laughs> <laughs> and he's basically going on Bill Paxton here to Arnie about how I'm not much to look at. And, uh, you know, he's just bragging about the fact that he's getting all these women on the side because he just tells lies and has the car. And um, he tells the story about, you know, what does Arnie say? Like, oh, have you got anyone lined up at the moment? And he's like, oh, I've got this, you know, legal secretary married to some boring jerk. Uh, and then mentions the fact that she's got a great pair of titties and an ass like a 10-year-old boy. <laughs> <laughs> now, I don't know how to react to that line. Uh, because what? <laughs> Shouldn't that be creepy? Like, I and, really... Well, yeah. When James Cameron decides to write that line into the movie and then very prominently feature... Jamie Lee Curtis's strip scene later on. Is that telling us something about James Cameron? Yeah. <laughs> I don't get it. Um, like, so what was his direction sudden... for the strip scene later on? It's like, I want you to straddle this like you're a 10 year old boy. <laughs> so, all of a sudden, if, you know, and probably by the time we're releasing this, has happened. You know, I did this with um, other people. But, you know, if James Cameron all of a sudden has been caught out that he's the next one in Hollywood to get caught doing something wrong in the past. Uh, and it's been with 10-year-old boys. And this line will make a lot of sense. You're like, oh, it was right in front of us this whole time. Uh, yeah, like, come on, this is a Kevin Spacey movie. Like, where did that line come from? <laughs> oh, God. So, um, yes. And then basically this all leads to them driving back to the car lot. Arnie has a vision of punching Bill Paxton in the head. And, which, let's be honest, that's how it would happen if Arnold Schwarzenegger punched Bill Paxton. Oh, He'd yeah. be out like a light and blood everywhere. And then Bill Paxton's all like, you know, should we start the paperwork? And he's like, hold it for a day. Um, so, uh, yeah, we we will uh, maybe just close it there. Uh, we've met Bill Paxton. We're excited. Oh, rest in peace, dear fellow. Oh. Um uh, it's it's actually kind of sad talking about Bill Paxton. Um, 
and that was one of the first things we ever covered on the Oz Network too was Twister. Yeah. Um, honestly, you mentioned the tone shift in the movie. I don't know if there's a tone shift in the script or in the direction or anything like that, or if it's just the introduction of Bill Paxton. Because I was trying to think to myself, what's different? I'm like, okay, well, the opening stuff, there's a lot of action and there's humor, but it's more like, I don't know, a funnier James Bond movie. Then this section, it becomes way more over the top, way more about comic and fast dialogue. Tom Arnold's the same in both sequences. Arnold Schwarzenegger is the same in both sections of the movie. I honestly believe it's just Bill Paxton because he is so goofy and so um, over the top and and different from everything else in this movie. And just the idea of his character, that this villainous character is going to be revealed very early to be this complete fraud or whatever, and revealed to the audience to be this complete fraud, and this used car salesman, this cheesy car salesman. You know, I, I, I don't know. I think that his character is what changes the tone here. Um, I don't know, maybe as we go along, we'll notice something else here, but he's so good in this movie. It's just like Tom Arnold. It's not an easy character to play. You have so much dialogue. You got to go so fast. Uh, he's so hateable. His mustache is incredible. (laughs) It just fits his character so much. Better than Henry Cavill's Um, in Mission Impossible. Oh, like tickle me mustache times too, right? (laughs) That, they had to superimpose uh, it out of Twister like a couple of years later because it was he just wanted to keep it. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Bad visual effects. Um, <laughs> but, um, yeah, like I, I love the, the thing where he punches him in the face too, which another great moment just watching this with Jamie <laughs> is that because she's seen it so many times. When he nails him in the face and he starts gushing blood and he, he basically looks like he snapped his neck. Jamie, she's like, you know that's totally fake, right? I'm like, I've seen... <laughs> it's my copy we're watching. Thanks, Jamie. Like, spoiler, come on. <laughs> um, also, you notice the scene where he, the, um, Jamie Lee Curtis is on her exercise bike. Yet something so 90s, an exercise bike in the house. In like the heaviest, thickest sweatsuit you could find. Like There is nothing more 1994 than somebody working out in heavy sweats. <laughs> <laughs> With her librarian glasses and everything. Um, uh, what else do I have here? Uh, oh, yeah, when he breaks the binoculars. Like, that's your Schwarzenegger moment of the movie. <laughs> that's like the... Um, you've probably never seen the Fast and the Furious movies, have you? Oh, I saw the second one. That was enough for me. They're all the same, aren't they? They're terrible. Uh, and in one of them, The Rock is in, like, a body cast. And he decides, okay, I'm going to hulk up now. And he flexes his bicep and it shatters the cast. Like that's <laughs> that's kind of what this reminds me of. Like Arnold Schwarzenegger looking, you know, through the binoculars of the Bill Paxton date or whatever, and just you see the glass shatter. It's so subtle, but it's still good. Um, yeah, I don't know. I, I I I like this domestic story. So maybe aside from Bill Paxton being this really heavy comic relief character. Uh, it's also the the domestic storyline just ramping up here uh, because this feels almost like Mr. You know, the movie Mr. And Mrs. Smith with Brad Pitt and uh, Angelina Jolie. Mm. I didn't even realize it watching this this past time, like in prep for this episode, the Mr. And Mrs. Smith, the whole concept is kind of ripped off of this as well. And that's why I feel like this movie was unique, even though it was just another spy movie is this storyline at home he has. And I think it's, it's arguably better than the spy story we get. Like I 
forget every time I watch this movie a couple years pass and I'll forget what the plot is. I'll forget that it even involves Arab terrorists. But I always remember like the stuff of him like, you know, I came to your office and you weren't there. Are you boning another man or are you fixing photocop? <laughs> I love that stuff in this movie. That's what makes this movie work so well. And I feel like if anything, if there's anything why this movie's reputation, I say reputation improve over time, even though I think I, I kind of mentioned at the beginning, this was more just one of those movies to be like, yeah, it's a good movie, but it wasn't like the most loved movie of the time. Why it gets better with age is because it's very hard to do this story right. And the opposite of what we talked about, The Notebook, where The Notebook came out, created kind of this subgenre, and every movie imitated it so much that going back and watching The Notebook feels so... Uh, unimpressive i get the opposite effect with this because i feel like the tv show alias did the same thing let's show the private life of a spy who has to hide it and they still have to you know maintain their uh their cover and uh you, you know obviously um th in the true story you you know the movie fair game with naomi watts um yes i love it That's i watch the, it every saturday yeah, no, it's a great movie. It's um, the same guy that made the Bourne Identity, but it's a true story about uh, the uh, the female CIA agent that the uh, the the Bush administration outed. We think we mentioned that in our Vice review as well. Uh, but um, it, that's a story now that's told all the time that like the private lives of spies. And watching this, I don't feel like it's ever been done as well as this movie. And mm. maybe it is the chemistry between Schwarzenegger and Curtis, or maybe. It's something Cameron did right, <laughs> but it's just this is the ultimate version of that story, and and this middle section, I think I remember even more than the climax that comes later on with the helicopter and all that. I've never seen Mr. and Mrs. Smith, uh, but I did read a, one of the trivia things saying that apparently it was loosely based on this. Uh, mm. I don't know if that's true or not, but I think it was, it was there was a lot of talk, and we'll probably talk about it at the end anyway, that there was uh, whispers of a sequel for this happening uh, sort of a few years before Mr. and Mrs. Smith and then 9-11 came out and James Cameron was like, no, terrorism isn't a laughing matter anymore. Um, oh, the good old 90s, when you could have Arab terrorists, you know, planes around buildings, and it was just funny. Good old, yeah. good old 1990s humour. 14-year-olds. 14-year-old boys' asses. <laughs> just the good old days. When you can <laughs> do things and not be judged the for The days of Windows 3.1, a simpler time. Oh, Windows 10 changed the world. It just it came about and everyone got PC. It was literally, they did, because they were on <laughs> Apple and they went to PC. So that's a good joke, Ben. I'm going I'm to write that one down. Uh, went to PC. Uh, all right. So uh, we're on to, where are we? Oh, the next day. Yes. Yeah, so Simon is, uh, they're still trying to track him down. Well, follow him, not really track him down. We just had him, didn't we, Ben? Uh, as in, they're still trying to monitor him. And uh, we've got Tom Arnold with Arnie with the transcript of conversations and there's missing uh, page 10. And what is Tom Arnold like going, oh, like, oh no, this is all that was com you know, said between these two. And Arnie's just like, give me the goddamn page! And like smashes the window. And Tom Arnold's just like, here you go. <laughs> um, so they're going to be meeting under the bridge and basically they send all of Omega Sphere Force onto finding the wife. <laughs> um, so for some reason they're not busy at all. There's no terrorism threats in nineteen ninety four. Um 
So they basically sent everyone to go to this meeting under the bridge and um, they follow them and get there and essentially they follow them to a, uh, what Simon says is his hideout, it's a caravan and what does he say? Like, oh, my place in the city is a little bit too hot right now, so is my penthouse in New York. Um, He's such a douche. It's great. It's so good. Um, I, I really wish I was single so I could try this. Uh, I wonder if this would work. Uh, you know what? <laughs> I made my notes in here. Would this work if a guy really tried this? Because he's pretty convincing, let's yeah. be honest. Bloody hell. I mean, all us, you know, small penis guys. I mean, alleged small penis guys. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I mean, if it works. I mean, a friend's out there. I, I, I would have no problem in that department, of course. Um, but basically, as he's trying to hook up, with uh, with Jamie Lee Curtis by like, oh, you know, we're going to go to Paris together and we really have to make them believe that we're a married couple, so we better practice and start, like, making out. Uh, and um, she... Helen basically reacts to how every single girl has ever reacted with me. Uh, just kind of sits there like a... Kicks you in the balls with high heels? Yeah, kind of pretends to be into it and then kicks me in the balls with high heels, exactly. Um, All that's missing is the rape whistle in the scene. Exactly, and the police showing up going, Ben, we told you, <laughs> Ben must be over age. What are you talking about? Um, the walls get ripped off. All of a sudden, everyone's coming there to uh, take them over. Because, again, you know, Omega Sphere Force has nothing better to do. Um, <laughs> I love Simon in this instance. Take her, don't take me. <laughs> I'll do whatever you want. <laughs> And then Jamie Lee Curtis bites Arnie and then runs away. And then I love the one agent who decides to punch her to then when Charles Schwarzenegger punches him back. Um, oh, it's so good. Uh, and then this all leads to them being captured and we see Helen in a darkened... Well, not a darkened room, an open room with a mirror in front and we sit down, sit down, please. Uh, we have Tom Arnold and Arnie basically questioning her. I love Tom Arnold here. Basically, oh, so like, good. you know, tell me about your husband. Is your husband, you know, bad in bed? Uh, like, <laughs> so, you know, things haven't been doing too well there lately. <laughs> uh, and they're trying to find out if she's uh, sleeping with Simon. And I do like the reaction here, though, from Helen, the way she's kind of like, you know, my husband's a good man. And. No, I didn't sleep with him. And then just start smashing the windows like, what do you want from me? Um, And then the nice little line of, you know, do you still love your husband? And she's just like, yes, and I always will. And then they basically force her to work for them because, again, Omega's Fierce Force, they're bored. Um, But I I do like the fact that this is kind of, going back to what we were saying about how kind of the tone of this shifts... And again, it just kind of works because, you know, we've gone from chasing a terrorist basically to now just chasing his wife, making sure that she's, you know, not cheating on him. And it just, it's really weird because then all of a sudden we're going to get to very shortly back to chasing terrorists. It's just kind of like, it fluctuates Mm. so weirdly. But again, it just, it weirdly works. And I particularly like the fact where they're sitting here like, uh, you know, our code name will be Boris and your code name will be Natasha. No, Doris. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> drops her off in a car and then it's just like pricks um and then i might just lump in the bit here where they're torturing uh simon here as well dangling him off the the cliff and um arnie reveals his face and what is he like no no i won't look i don't see you like, hey it's you 
<laughs> he um, still interested in that vet? Yeah, he pisses. He gets him wet. Have you heard? <laughs> he pisses himself. Um, he does a Bradley Cooper, or does a Bradley Cooper does Bill Paxton? <laughs> I don't know. Um, and I love the fact that when they drive off, and he's like begging them. I love just Tom Arnold look away shooting. He's like, "Get lost, dipshit!" Poo 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 poo, and just like shoots <laughs> around his feet and then drives off. Oh, it's so good. Uh, I might just sort of leave it there. But, I mean, this whole setup's fantastic. And it does make me sort of question, though, because, again, there's going to be a few bits here moving forward about how far Helen's willing to go to kind of work for this. And only just kind of lets her get away with it. <laughs> because it's kind of, yeah, okay, I get it. He's going to be the one watching her get all sexy very shortly. But at the end of the day, like, she doesn't know that. So, he- Surely there's going to be a bit of a concern there. Like, could you imagine if this was you and it's like you're pretending to be a spy person here to freak Jamie out and she's all like, oh, yeah, I'm going to dance for your sex. And you're like, hang on a minute. You don't think it's me right now. What are you doing? Uh, You know, it's funny because I actually wrote my notes. Not fair. I want to be the guy who has to pretend he's married to a spy. (laughs) Get Jamie. I want to be the one dancing sexy. (laughs) This is my role, Curtis. Lay off. Um, No, one thing that is interesting about this is that uh, the movie is, uh, I guess, more action than comedy. You know, Schwarzenegger had done comedies at this point, like Twins. He'd done action movies like Commando and uh, uh, The Running Man and Terminator and all that. And then he had, like, the comedy with a bit of action, Kindergarten Cop. And this was almost the flip on that. This is action with a bit of comedy. And the movie, for the most part, plays as a comedy. You know, the the spy stuff feels very James Bond-like. It's not quite realistic. It's intentionally not realistic. It's meant to be movie spy stuff. Uh, the comedy doesn't play so much like parody, but it's clearly like, you know, a kindergarten cop comedy. Like let's, let's turn a traditional action movie on its head. The Jamie Lee Curtis stuff becomes very real in that torture scene or not torture. She doesn't get tortured. Uh, <laughs> the interrogation scene. Um, and that's what I said earlier about how in some ways I think this is Jamie Lee Curtis at her best. This scene is the reason why, because she in the beginning feels kind of fearful. And then you really get into the character's head and what you're saying about, you know, Schwarzenegger just goes along with it. It actually makes sense when you watch the movie because he's doing this because of what she said. Like, why would you do this? She goes, I needed some excitement. I needed something. Mm. And the sincerity she delivers that line with is so real. And then when she freaks out and starts smashing the window, again, it gets more real. And for a brief moment in this movie, for one five-minute scene, Jamie Lee Curtis played this as if she was trying to win an Oscar. And that's what grounds the movie, and that's what makes this more than just a fun action comedy. Uh, she is so good in this scene, like like unbelievably good. Uh also, just going back to the uh, the Bill Paxton stuff, uh, I guess, the, as you said, the taker, taker. Uh, I love that he follows that up with, uh, oh, God, please don't hurt me, which instantly reminded me, you're one of them. You're one of them. <laughs> Die hard. Uh, and please, then God. Oh, no, no, you're one of them. You're one of them. <laughs> I really want him to have that in Galaxy Quest. Like, you know, by Granthar's hammer, you will be avenged. One of them. You're one of them. You're one of them. God, no. Uh, But Bill Paxton, like, 
this is the thing. I wish that I could remember seeing this for the first time because the way it the movie sets it up, like the tone shifts would almost lead you to believe that this is going to be tied to the plot. And I wonder if that would have made this a slightly more interesting movie that this used car salesman is somehow being used by the terrorists to get to his wife. It would have made for a more complex plot. I think it almost would have made for a better movie because when they drop him into the movie, I feel like a first-time watcher would start to think, well, in some way he's tied to these terrorists. And then they just you know, cut ties with them completely here, which still is funny. But that's one of the reasons why I feel like there is that drastic tone shift because you drop the terrorists from the movie, you introduce Bill Paxton, and then you drop Bill Paxton from the movie and you introduce the terrorists. And it's not till the very end that you know the two things kind of come together, even though they're never connected. But I don't know. Do you do you feel like that this movie could have been improved with that, or do you prefer it as just the straight comedy? Well, I think what I would get from that is because there's going to be a criticism slight criticism i'll have coming up here is when we get this sort of sexy dance scene and all of a sudden uh the terrorists kind of bust in it kind of comes out of nowhere it's kind of like well hang on a minute how do they know they're here and like i guess you could explain that they're following them but i think that would help connect that maybe and you wouldn't maybe have that question because yeah. then it could all of a sudden be like hey well we we know we were following jamie lee curtis because you know she was hanging with simon because he, yeah, like I, I think kind of you could have tied that in well, and I mean I've never really thought of that, but I think that could work. Uh, this is a great movie as it is, but you can always make great movies greater. Yeah, like maybe not have Luke drinking milk out of a sea creature, exactly. Or <laughs> Carrie Fisher floating through space. There's always room for improvement, right? Yeah, exactly. Uh, another thing that I love in the interrogation scene, you touched on it with the Tom Arnold thing, but it's it's the way that Tom Arnold plays that because his character, he's he's always completely in his own world. He he doesn't care about anything else. He's the most inconsiderate guy in the world, but he's he's lovable in doing it. And when he first drops that line where he's uh, so. Sex with him isn't exactly waving your flag anymore. And Schwarzenegger's <laughs> like, stop it. And then he goes on. He's like, tell me more about the terrorists. And then like a minute later, Tom was like, so you'd say he's not exactly ringing your bell these days. Is that fair to say? <laughs> it's almost like every few minutes he's like, so he's not exactly you know this and this and just keeps dropping those innuendos. I just love that he keeps coming back to that. I feel like that's another – so I started to get into slight criticisms here. Another thing that they could have just done to make it even funnier is to have that play out at least one more time here. Uh, but the Bill Paxton thing, this was another one of those moments where uh, I could see Jamie's uh, overwatching of this as a child um, because she told me, I don't know, it was maybe like five minutes before we started the movie. It's like, you know what the best part of that movie is? Is when that sleazy guy, I'm like, which sleazy guy? He's like, like, like the, the guy, the guy, the sleazy guy. I'm like, Bill Paxton? Is he the sleazy guy? I'm like, yeah, sure. Okay. <laughs> when he pees his pants and I'm like, yeah, good, good stuff. <laughs> the movie starts and she's like, oh, you know what the best part is? When the guy pees his pants. I'm like, yeah. And it's like, oh, it's coming up to the part where the guy, I'm like, no, I know the guy pees his pants. It's good stuff, James. Can't wait for it. She must love a star is and born. Then- that scene. <laughs> Well, the best part is she wasn't watching at the part where he pees. Oh, Jamie! So, so we know. So, so we know what happens when it comes to like you get excited over people burning to death. She gets excited over yeah. shirtless people and people <laughs> peeing. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> we all have our things, don't we? Please, please don't um, um, look at her search histories as she's googling like golden showers or something like that. Then you. you know. What's a golden shower? Oh, okay. Uh, moving on with that one. I thought you had uh, grown up a little right. bit in the world, Colin. Here we go. 
<laughs> Still a little bit naive, apparently. Um, well, you talk about peeing. <laughs> um, <laughs> there might be people involved and the urine going on the people. I don't know. Just um, I, yeah. So what every guy has done in the shower at least a couple times, but for sexual gratification. Basically. Basically, it'd be like you in the shower peeing, but Jamie was underneath you. Well, we know that's not her thing because I'm sure she would have asked for it at some point. <laughs> uh, one other thing I want to notice here, another one of these uh, Bill Paxton, Bill Clay diehard moments uh, when they pull the or they're about to pull the gun on him or, or whatever. And he goes, I've never I've never touched a gun before. I've never even seen a gun. In fact, if I ever did see a gun, I'd and then they pull it out. And he's like, oh, God, oh, please don't kill me. <laughs> His comic timing is great. But the funny thing is. I can't really watch this and feel like he's trying to be funny. It, it almost feels like he's just naturally playing this guy. Like, that's the type of actor Bill Paxton is. That's just Bill like, Paxton. It will be. <laughs> yeah, he's not acting. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> but this just feels because, like, if you've seen, like, all James Cameron movies, I mean, Bill Paxton's in all of them. Uh, the first role he ever had was in the first Terminator movie where he's playing it, like, straight for laughs in a movie that maybe it's not appropriate to be playing it that comic. Uh, and then there was another movie made in the 80s, which I personally found really annoying, called Weird Science, where, again, he's playing it straight for laughs. Like, this is a guy who has the ability to be Jim Carrey-like funny. And I actually appreciate that in this movie, it's funny just because he plays it natural. Although there should be nothing natural about this character. The way he plays it is not like the way Tom Arnold's playing it. Like, it helps to ground the movie as well as being not so much comedy and then action, but then action and comedy. That's a good way of looking at it. I, 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 I would definitely agree with that. And back to what you were saying about Jamie Lee Curtis, about how good she is in this film. We should mention she did win the Golden Globe for um, Best Actress in a Motion Picture Comedy or Musical. I'm not saying that's the... Uh, what was her competition? Well, I'm looking here. This she, was four. Yeah, so she was up against uh, Emma Thompson for Junior, another Arnie movie. Poor Arnie. Two, two of his co-stars nominated and still didn't get nominated. Uh, Shelley McClain for Guarding Tess. Annie McDowell for Four Weddings and a Funeral, and Gina Davis for Speechless. So, ah. um, and that would have been the year, I think, that Jessica Lange won. No, not supporting. Um, Sky? Poss, uh, Diane, who won the Oscar? That was the supporting Golden Globe went to Diane West for Bullets. But what of the dramatic actress? Yeah, that's what I'm trying to see here. Um, because Jessica Lange won actress, but not supporting. We'll pull that up. 1995 Oscars. <laughs> Come on, everybody. We, where's our research department? Um, <laughs> we need to have that. Let's. I'm, I'm intrigued now. I want to find this out right now. Uh, Di- it was Diane West. Diane West won the uh, Weest. Is it Weest? Not Diane West. Weest. Weest. Who is that? Um, Bullets over Broadway. How crazy is this? I, I didn't even realize the Golden Globes that year. Look, look at the dramatic category. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Jessica Lange wins for a Blue Sky. Meryl Streep was nominated for The River Wild. Now, I have made no apologies about not liking the fact that Meryl Streep gets nominated no matter what she does. I'm okay with her being nominated for The River Wild. Oh, that was the year that Kevin Bacon was nominated but didn't get his Oscar nomination because he's never gotten one because of stupid Academy not winning it to fucking Glenn Close. Um... <laughs> Martin Landau won it for Ed Wood in the Golden Globes. Gary Sinise also nominated. Over Samuel L. Jackson for Pulp Fiction and Gary Sinise for Forrest Gump? Yeah. Um, and in the Academy Awards, he, yeah, he won the Academy Award over Samuel L. Jackson, Gary Sinise, 
Paul Schofield for Quiz Show and Ch- oh, love school. The the esteemed Chaz Palminteri for Bullets yeah. Over Broad. What is Bullets Over Broadway? This is a movie that I've just never uh, heard of. I think that's a Woody Allen. Oh, of course comedy. it is. Yeah, it Chaz, is. Bloody Chaz, Woody Allen. Uh, Palmin- Chaz Palminteri is one of these guys. If you see his face, you're gonna be like, oh yeah, he's played like a mobster in every single movie he's ever been in. But he's great at it. How are we not doing the River Wild when that came out in 1994? Like, what 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 is our reason for not doing the River? We've talked about this movie bonus so often. <laughs> How many bonus episodes are we doing? <laughs> we we really do have to do, even if it's a separate show. One of these days, we have to do year doing a do that thing. Fifty two movies for an entire year. Mm. Well, I, I think that would work. <laughs> Just give us more work to do, but I'm sure that works. Um, yeah, I mean, God, River Wild, one of my favourite movies. Um, but yes, we're up to the scene now, maybe the... Would you say this is probably the most famous scene from this movie? Um, so, yeah. we're at dinner. This is not the, this bit, they're at dinner, and um, poor old Helen's oh. had a bad day. That must have been pretty terrible for you. <laughs> That's going to be, like, when Jamie Lee Curtis dies, that's the tribute clip. The dinner scene with yeah. her shaking the coffee in her hand. <laughs> um, gets a phone call. Um, Got to go to a hotel. Dress sexy. How does this voice-changing machine uh, mask accents? Can I ask that? Because, like, <laughs> I mean, Tom Arnold and Arnold Schwarzenegger kind of sound different. So I'm not sure how it goes from, Hello, my name is Arnold, to, Hello, my name is Arnold. Um, so he gets a call, Doris, dress sexy. Um, yes, yeah, so she's a prostitute called Michelle, who is going to meet a guy who has particular taste, and she goes towards this room, and she's got, like, the weirdest puffy sleeve sort of dress thing ever, to which she then decides to, hey, I'm gonna make myself sexier by ripping it off, um... And that is the ugliest dress I've ever fucking seen. But I do, lo- I do love the way she kind of sees herself in the mirror, rips this off, then uh, kind of just, you know, puts the boobs up a little bit, gets herself feeling a little bit sexy, puts some lippy on. Um, it works. Like, this is kind of like the automatic transformation for Jamie Lee Curtis. Uh, and again, it's, it's still slightly weird that I can't watch this in the way that I wish I could watch it, <laughs> given that <laughs> she just reminds me of my mother. Um, and then... <laughs> Walks into the hotel room to which we are led to this, uh, yeah, the most famous scene from this movie. She gets a little bit sexy with a dancing, takes off her dress, she's in a lingerie, and she's, meanwhile, she's got to try and plant a bug on a phone. And the shadowy figure that we see is actually just Arnie watching. Um, and I was actually reading some of the trivia about the fact that when she falls down, apparently that wasn't scripted and she just did it, and that even the reaction from Arnie was legit. Uh, so, but they just kept it in there. Um, but just such an iconic scene, I think, kind of, as I said, the most famous from this movie. And, I mean, I don't know how you look at Jamie Lee Curtis, but I think for <laughs> most straight males and gay females, this is a very fun scene for most people who don't think of it as their mother. I don't know. I feel like we need to talk about this scene separately just because it's so famous. Do you have anything to add on this yeah. scene? <laughs> uh, just a question. Does she remind you... Does she actually remind you of your mother or does watching... This character reminds you of your mother. No, no, it's it's mainly older Jamie Lee Curtis when she's got like the short grey right. hair, kind of like Screen Queens Jamie uh, Lee Curtis, Freaky Friday okay. Jamie Lee Curtis is what reminds me of my mum. But you just kind of connect the dots. It's you know, it's kind of yeah, yeah. 
It's the same so person. So when you watch this, you watch this movie and you see her in her bra and panties. You're like, "Mom, put some clothes on." <laughs> I just tried my best to not think about that at that moment. <laughs> uh, here's the thing: I don't know if it's because this was sort of like pre-puberty when I saw this movie, or if it was because at the age I saw this movie, she was playing a mom and she was playing, you know, your typical mousy mom uh as i said earlier and it's just kind of a character and maybe also because i think i had seen halloween at this point but it's not like i really connected the dots so i wasn't very familiar with jamie lee curtis going to this movie whether it's this or anything earlier or later i always sort of see jamie lee curtis as a mom so i think that's kind of what spoils it for me um but like seriously she, she knows how to move let's she give does. her credit for that yeah and she's in incredible shape and it's funny because Jamie's watching this and she's like, uh, uh, oh man, this don't, don't you think this woman's so hot? I'm like, no, no. <laughs> and she's like, seriously, I'm a straight woman and I do her. <laughs> well, there's so, said not, yeah, not even, uh, not even, you know, gay women, apparently straight women too. But it's effective because she played that, uh, you know, housewife character so well. And this transition is done. So I'll give James Cameron credit for that. He didn't telegraph this in any way. Like he, he let you believe she was going to be awful. This and keeping the trip in there is the, the, Oh, I, I'm, you're talking about the, uh, the slip on the pole. I'll yeah. talk even before that. When she trips going into the room, that sells it. And I, I dealt that was unscripted, but it's a brilliant moment because she suddenly becomes very confident and she's, you know, no, she walks in with total wrong dress, even though they said dress sexy. <laughs> uh, and she slicks her hair back and she's puts a lipstick on and all that. She's you suddenly think, well, she's going to go in there and she's going to be on her game. And then she trips going in the door. And it's just such a perfectly played moment made even better when uh, Schwarzenegger's character he's playing in the dark asks her to start dancing and she does the most unsexy dance you have ever seen <laughs> and he's like no touch your body uh of course he's saying it through the uh tape machine or whatever but the other thing i love about this is him using the tape recorder because we're what a year and a half at this point removed from home alone 2 i mean this is why every kid wanted a talk boy it was because of you know home alone and this and i just i kept waiting for that scene as he's pressing the play button and, you know, it's like, no, I want you to dance like this. The, the guy who pre-recorded the voice and, you know, take your clothes off. And then when it reaches a point where he tells her, you know, get on the bed and close your eyes. And she's like, but you said you wouldn't do anything other than watch. And he suddenly realizes, like, uh, I don't have the next line for that. I just wanted to press play. And suddenly it's like, credit card, you got it. <laughs> merge the movies together. The talk boy such a great toy. <laughs> I love that movie. <laughs> Rob Schneider is the weed, um, the the bellboy with the Tim Curry. Yeah. Oh, there's a trivia thing Tim for Curry. you. What movie did Tim Curry and Rob Schneider pair up in <laughs> that also featured Donald Trump? <laughs> oh yeah, let's let's totally do that. Maybe we should do the Home Alone, the, the four Home Alone movies for Christmas month. Am I am I wrong uh, for liking Home Alone two more than Home Alone one? Yes. <laughs> oh, damn it. But the talk boy's good. Um, you got yeah, it. Yeah, when she slips... <laughs> credit card, you got it. <laughs> this is Mr. McAllister, the father. 
<laughs> you know what else is great in this scene? Um, aside from, as you mentioned, the uh, the slip as she's dancing around the bedpost, which is amazing, uh, is when she starts fighting him off and she hits him in the head with the phone. Yeah. Like, I understand, you know, the earlier scene when she bites him, it's, it's in the heat of the moment. He suddenly went from, you know, take your clothes off to ah, 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 and she hits him in the head with the phone. Like, that's the dead giveaway. Harry? <laughs> I know that grunt wail anywhere. <laughs> like, there's... You can't disguise the accent. Even harder to disguise is... Ah, ah. <laughs> Comes every time she bites him, hits him. And then it takes her later in the movie when, she, you know, she's like, it's me, it's me. <laughs> I don't know why it takes her so long. Which is a good thing, um, though, because at that point you kind of, oh, good girl, you're meant to hit the person because you yeah. don't want to sleep with me. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, and you, you keep thinking when you're watching that scene, it's like, how far is she going to, like, is Schwarzenegger getting angry at that point when he's climbing on top of her and, you know, <laughs> starting to lick her face? <laughs> That he's like, why is she not fighting me? <laughs> he should be a little more concerned at this point. Uh, but when the terrorists storm into the room, too, I also love that even though he's clearly set this whole thing up, she still thinks it's all about him. No, no, no. He had nothing to do with this. It's all me. So yeah. You still can't put two and two together here. Yeah, no, I like that, too. It's kind of, it's it's clever. And I think that's where it works with that tone shift, where kind of without that, it wouldn't have the same effect. Um, so I think it's kind of clever and it sort of, yeah, it's, it's just interesting because I mean, at this point I can't really think of a movie where it's really kind of done this, you know, and even, even James Bond really hasn't done this, has it? So it's kind of, no. not that you can really work this into a James Bond film, but, um, yeah, no, well, no. well. <laughs> um, and you mentioned, I have about, a project here. <laughs> with, uh, you mentioned like Jamie Lee Curtis, I think kind of coming into this, I, I mean, grew up watching My Girl a lot. I really like My Girl. Um, well, yeah, I guess I that too yeah and then uh, i think trading places is the one where she shows her boobs um yeah uh which never seen long time since i've seen trading places i like that dan Aykroyd. what happened to him what uh funny enough i I just remember that was the other thing that jamie was talking about it's like uh what was that movie years ago where she actually showed her boobs and i'm like (laughs) i I don't i don't know i haven't seen one but jamie remembered the movie this is kind of like the Michael Caine shows his dong. It's like, hey, what's that? Let's do the when did they show their genitalia month coming soon to the Oz Network. Trading places, Michael Caine's dong. I'm going to do Swordfish, your favorite Halle Berry when she got paid like what, millions of dollars. That's a good movie though. Come on, got to do Swordfish. It's a great movie. Yeah, um, yeah I, I, it, definitely trading places for a boobs. But uh, I'm more intrigued about Dan Aykroyd month because, you know. His boobs? Yeah, <laughs> well, he's probably got them by now. Um, <laughs> what happened to Dan Aykroyd? He's Canadian, right? Oh, yeah. Still a Canadian hero. <laughs> I saw him in something recently. He has not aged well. <laughs> well, what's his age, though? Old. 66? Oh, yeah, he hasn't aged well. <laughs> <laughs> Jamie Lee Curtis has aged well, but Dan Aykroyd has not aged well. <laughs> God, I, I remember I'm the sure last time I saw him in something. He was, I know he's in Evolution, but that was, like, a long time ago. I'm just looking through his filmography. You know what's great here? Because um, he was a writer before he was an actor. If you read through his writing filmography, it's Ghostbusters of Long Beach, Ghostbusters Ecto Force, Ghostbusters Station 6, Ghostbusters, <laughs> Ghostbusters Sanctum of Slime, the real Ghostbusters, Ghostbusters of New Hampshire, Spilled Milk. What is this? I think he kind of likes Ghostbusters. <laughs> <laughs> um, um, you've seen Canadian Bacon, right? 
Yeah. Yeah, that's one of my favourite ones with Dan Aykroyd when he's like the random cop and he's going off them having all that swearing on their um, truck. And he's like, yes, there's a problem here. And like, oh, we're sorry. It's like, yep, it's not in French. You're in Canada now. It has to be in French as well as English. They have to write all this like, Canadian abuse in French. It's like, on your way now. <laughs> uh, and the thing I saw him in uh, recently, there's a Canadian TV show called Working Moms. And he did like, several episodes of that show. So, he a but other than that, he was yes <laughs> uh but other than that i mean he's had a couple of tv shows he's done like not his own shows but guest appearances he appeared in pixels for a cameo ghostbusters for a cameo i think he's pretty much just retired at this point i love the fact that i click on working mums a canadian sitcom that's not a sentence i often hear uh, <laughs> oh, biggest canadian show of all time corner gas uh, yeah but you know again australian haven't seen it <laughs> <laughs> Um, isn't Degrassi a sitcom? No. Anyway, uh, so yes, the terrorists break in. Because, uh, again, this is like, I've got a question. Though. How do they know where they are? Is this just a simple case they were tracking him or something like that? I feel like we needed to see maybe one scene of them being tracked because it is a bit random. I mean, it works, but it's also a bit random. Um, But, yeah, I do like, as you were saying, kind of you know, the whole... uh, You know, oh, stay out of this, Harry. I know what to do. And then Tia Carrera shows up and... Um, then she gets a bit flirty with Harry and, oh, like what we, when we do the tango again. And, um, so we sort of, Helen's finding out a little bit here more about what Arnie does. We see these priceless pieces of work, which are smuggling nuclear bombs, essentially. Because what good terrorist movie wouldn't have them smuggling nuclear bombs and uh, they're going to uh, detonate them in major U.S. cities unless the U.S. military leaves the Persian Gulf. It's kind of weird how relevant this movie can still be uh, 25 years later. Um, But I I love the back and forth between, like, Helen and Harry and just, you know, the bit... What does he say? Like, what can I say? I'm a spy. And then she just punches him. Um, it's just going through. I really love the scene when you've got the the terrorist Art Malik, and he's just you know like, if you do not release them, I will bomb a major U.S. city. And then you've got this guy with the camera, and it's like low battery. He's just like, but he's like hand starts shaking, and he just puts the camera down. Oh, it's so funny, but it's like so true when you were saying before about how kind of it balances action with comedy well because. I mean, a random movie that I enjoy, I think we talked a little bit about this on the uh, Pluto Ma- Pluto Nash one a few months ago or weeks ago, um, and it was I Spy with Eddie Murphy and Owen Wilson, and I mean, oh, that's yeah. that's kind of the opposite. It's, it's comedy with action in it, um, but I mean, again, underrated film, an unpopular opinion, but this one, it's kind of, it's action first, but it's got great comedy in it, and this is just like a random little bit with these poor guys, just like a boss... And his hands start shaking. Uh, but I mean, if this whole... The thing, I think, with the point now is the movie just goes by so quickly. Because we've probably got, what, like 55 or so minutes an hour to go of this film. We're past yeah. the halfway point. But from here, you've only really got three, I guess, sequences. You've kind of got this hideout sequence. Then you've got the whole chase sequence in the Florida Keys. And then you've got the, the skyscraper bit at the end. So you've only really got three sequences to kind of tie this up. And it, it does go very quickly from here. So it kind of leads into Arnie's got a, I guess, a truth serum here, um, which just reminds me of Johnny English when he pokes him with the two things. Like one is the truth serum and one is makes him speak all gibberish and everything. Um, I want Arnie's watching and go, Fleb, bleb, 
Frib rib. <laughs> <laughs> oh, bugger it. Um, uh, but, you know, with Schwarzenegger trying to deliver that line, it would definitely come out as... <laughs> <laughs> Um, so, yeah, Arnie, I love the bit when Arnie's kind of like, I'm going to kill you, I'm going to use you as a human shield, and then I'm going to do this, um, and I love it when Helen's like, are we going to die? Yep. (laughs) (laughs) I've been a spy for 17 years, ever killed anyone? Yes, but they were all bad. <laughs> sort of through all this too, we see uh, the head terrorist dude sees a photo of the fact they've got a daughter, so that's going to play into it because poor old Eliza Dushku hasn't done much anything for a while. Um, so Arnie in that escape, we got a very weird scene when like Helen's got the Uzi and starts like she drops the gun. <laughs> And somehow it falls down the stairs and keeps firing. It kills everyone, but yeah. she's completely fine. Like, it keeps shooting <laughs> at the top of the stairs. That that gun is a stormtrooper gun, if I've ever seen one. Um, but it is kind of funny when everyone's dead. She kind of just looks up and Arnie's like, oh, what did I do? Um, and then, is this where oh, Arnie's like listening in to the conversation and he's translating from his perfect Arabic? And then he just eventually starts going like, blah, 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 terrorism, blah, blah, blah. <laughs> uh, they find out that they're in the uh, Florida Keys. These terrorists, I guess, bury a nuclear bomb under concrete. Uh, and then this is all going to lead to um, them escaping. Although Arnie is presumed dead uh, because he's got this flamethrower and this bazooka thing that blows him up and Helen thinks he's dead, but he's obviously not. Spoiler alert. Uh, Tom Arnold's also finding them as well. He's tracking them. Um, and this, I guess, leads into the chase sequence. Do you want to say anything about this whole escape technique? Because, again, it's kind of only really three parts of this movie, if we can lump it into these three yeah. parts. Yeah, well, you could keep going. All right, well, we've got the car chase uh, along the, uh, I guess, the causeways here of the Florida Keys, very uh, licensed to kill. Um, same area, I believe, they film this in. And uh, we've got, it's a great chase, though, kind of Arnie in the helicopter with Tom Arnold, and then uh, it basically leads to them shooting at the terrorists. Who, I love the when they've got, like, the bazooka bit and they go to shoot the thing and one of them fires back and that guy flies out the front of the window and they run him over. Um, it kind of reminds you of, um, like, this to me is what the terrorists were, like, this is what happened in Back to the Future before they killed Doc. Yeah. <laughs> like, like, as in driving around. That was a very bad impersonation, Ben. Um, we have the Harry, this is my very first, like, when I was a kid, I really wanted to be a pilot because I wanted to be a an astronaut. So I was, like, really seriously looking into becoming a pilot. So I was really into, like, fighter jets. So I learned all about Harriers. And I remember kind of when I saw this movie, I'm like, oh, wicked, they're Harriers. They're the ones that can go up and down and take off like a helicopter. So kind of it's cool that we get these Harriers fly in to sort of attack the bridge. They blow up. Again, no care for anybody in the Florida Keys that they have to go anywhere. Let's just fucking <laughs> blow a bridge up. Uh, imagine if this is how America reacted to 9-11. Just like starts blowing up New York before. Uh, kind of what we talked about in Godzilla last year, where they kind of destroy more of the city than they do actually the dinosaur. <laughs> Uh, dinosaur Godzilla, you know what I mean. Um, Jamie Lee Curtis is in the limo with T. Carrera. They start having a bit of a fight. She gets knocked out, and uh, Arnie comes into the helicopter to rescue Helen. And great stunt work here. Apparently, Jamie Lee Curtis did all her own stunts in this section here, where she's hanging off the roof and then essentially picked up um, from the helicopter, dangling off with Arnie. The limo goes off the the ledge. T. Carrera is, I guess, dead. I mean, you never see a body, so if they ever do True Lies two, you never know. She still could be back. Um, 
They get rescued. Everything all seems happy. But remember that nuclear bomb that was buried under the ground? I always forget that you literally have a nuclear bomb go off in this movie, which is done in almost like a romantic sense (laughs) because you've got uh, them making out as a nuclear bomb goes off in the background. And it's probably forgotten about two seconds later because it's like, oh, shit, we're going to go to Miami. (laughs) The only warning they give the people is, okay, don't look directly at the light. (laughs) Kind of reminds me of season two of 24, that you've got to forget after like yeah. two hours after a nuclear bomb goes, a nuclear <laughs> bomb has gone off on mainland USA, and it's okay. And even when the news report goes on later on, it's like, a man has single-handedly stopped terrorists after the earlier attack in the Florida Keys. <laughs> it's a, like, no, we were alive during 9-11, ever... it was 24-hour blanket coverage of two planes flying into a building. It's a nuclear bomb has gone off in Florida. <laughs> Maybe they're not caring about it, because it's Florida. They've probably done a, a service, like, you know. You know... During 9-11, do you think that there was a lot of profiling of, you know, uh, Austrian man with a perfect Arabic accent was spotted dangling from one of the planes? <laughs> Not Allah Akbar for you. <laughs> I just want him standing on, like, the uh, whatever floor the, the plane's hitting trades in with his hand out. Stop the plane! And it just flies into his hand. Or, <laughs> He's like, no landing fire. for you. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, oh, 9-11 jokes. So oh, pretty- we've got them all. <laughs> Every episode, folks, 9-11 jokes coming your way. Um, so, but, I mean, I, I'll, I'll stop here before we get to the final scene. But, like, I mean, I love the fact that a nuclear bomb goes off because, I don't know, am I pro-nuclear bomb, I guess. But it's just, <laughs> it's just blinking. You miss it. Oh, well, nuke gone. Let's go off to Miami. You know, I was just reading through. I'm sure you're going to get to it later, but... um. One of the reviews, the negative reviews that you find on Wikipedia here, uh, refers to um, uh, using caricatured, unshaven Arabs as terrorists. <laughs> and you know what's funny? You said how how relevant this is. Uh, the first thing I noticed about the terrorists at this point where they're saying, you know, uh, unless the United States does this, it, it's not like I'm empathizing with them, but they give them purpose. And I'm like, these are some of the more realistic and believable terrorists and well-developed terrorists there are in any movies because it is very easy just to to watch any movie like this and i did have a moment where i was watching thinking how well would this movie play overseas probably not well at all (laughs) but they do a good enough job of making them believable and not just we're just here to kill and to create chaos and to uh, you know, uh, take out everything American and McDonald's and uh, <laughs> um, who knows what else? Uh, Michael Jordan. <laughs> that's, that's exactly like, how the 9-11 terrorists did it. They're like, we must yeah. fight against America and McDonald's and <laughs> Michael Jordan. Michael Jordan. <laughs> <laughs> and Rob Schneider. <laughs> the animal was an abhorrent film against society. <laughs> And we must put a jihad against the United States. Oh, I can't wait for uh, Deuce Bigelow Arab Gigolo coming soon. <laughs> Just reminds me of that South Park episode when Rob Schneider was a carrot. <laughs> I don't know that one. Oh, uh, it's just—it's basically Rob Schneider is everything. So, like, well, you saw Rob Schneider as a hot chick, then he was an animal. Now he's a stapler. Uh- <laughs> <laughs> Um, so it, also interesting here, just, I'm sorry to steal your thunder for later on, but some more negative views. Fridge the movie is sexist, cruel, and even misogynistic. Hey, that was my And again, profile. I don't get that at all. 
<laughs> it works. I'm engaged now. Thanks, Tinder. <laughs> um, but like, in all honesty, uh, I don't see it that way at all. Like, I feel like if anything, this is what we would consider a progressive movie now because the movie's all about Jamie Lee Curtis. She's the one who does everything in this movie. I mean, yeah, she's not the one who's dangling from a helicopter or an airplane later on, but the whole plot is about the fact it's like she needed something in her life. She was missing something. And her husband said, I'm going to give her what she needs. And she gets to be the hero in this movie. She has better development than anybody else. I don't know what they're talking about there. And even more, uh, once saying it had an anti-Arab and anti-Muslim prejudice. If anything, I like I when that scene's going on where the the terrorist is explaining you know their purpose, I'm like, well that kind of makes sense. I want to join your little club. <laughs> <laughs> oh, sorry, we're gonna have that beeping on the line again. Yeah. <laughs> coming soon. They're at it again. <laughs> SWAT teams moving. <laughs> uh, but no, in all honesty, it, it it makes them feel more real. So. Those two things, the, the development of the female character, the development of the terrorist, I felt like is much stronger than this movie was ever given credit for. Uh, now, having said that, it still is the Arab terrorists, you know, uh, uh, are, the, are the villains. And I don't think you could make this same movie the same today. Uh, but also, do you know, you keep talking about Art Malik there. Do you know what we know him from? Uh, um... Uh, uh, is this actually, do you actually know the answer to this, or are you actually just yes, asking me? Yes, no, I do. Um, uh, upstairs, downstairs? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> the Living Daylights. <laughs> living Daylights. He was the uh, Afghan ally of James Bond. Oh, when James Bond joined the Taliban, of course. Yeah, exactly. And talk about a movie that did not have, I'm sure all the reviews at the time were like, this is a pro-Arab movie. <laughs> a pro-Arab de- the Living Daylights does not age as well as True Lies does because that's a movie about James Bond helping build the Taliban. Uh, so, yeah, let's give True Lies a little bit of credit. But I think he's a good villain. It's just it, it also hurts a little bit that he's absent from the movie for so long. Uh, and, again, I'm not being too critical, but just looking at ways this movie uh, – well, I won't go improved yet. I'll, I'll save that for a minute because we've got something coming up that I'm going to be more critical of. Uh, this is what I was talking about a little project. How could this movie, by changing very little, become a James Bond movie? And I have a real good theory here. Um, I always felt like the reason this isn't James Bond-like is because you can't have, well, the husband and wife thing and the, the, the domestic salesman or whatever. But why not? Let's imagine that Honor Majesty's Secret Service or, let's say, Spectre, that James Bond settles down with a woman who knows nothing about his life and he does retire, like the end of Spectre. Then a couple of years later, the terrorists are coming to get him. He's back in the field, and she gets dragged into it just like this. I think you could easily make a James Bond movie out of this by changing very little. Or even ditch James Bond having a wife. What if the female lead of a James Bond movie was just this bored secretary? You, you remove the wife thing from it. A bored secretary that you know finds herself caught up with some guy who's a con artist and then ends up in this plot. Because I feel like as soon as you come back in with that interrogation scene this feels just like james bond again with with all the action stuff that's coming uh very pierce brosnan like with them you know being taken prisoner and then him giving him the truth serum uh that's specter like as well uh and, and i love the comedy in it but i feel like 
you take a couple of jokes out or maybe even leave the jokes in there and just have Pierce Brosnan doing the delivery, it's still a James Bond movie. Um, mm. That's the scene though with the truth serum. It's great when he, he says, like you mentioned, uh, how do we know if it's working? Ask me a question that you know I would uh, normally lie to. Are we going to die? Yep. And it's, <laughs> it's just the fact that Schwarzenegger, he is not going, yes, we will. That was the way you expect me to go. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> We're all going to die. <laughs> and then the way he gets out of the handcuffs, too, where he's just like, I picked my handcuffs already. <laughs> just starts slaughtering the guys. Uh, yeah, the gun going down the stairs. It's a great shot. It looks fantastic. It's such a clever gag, but a little bit unrealistic. Because also Schwarzenegger's the only other one who doesn't get shot in that scene. And then when she finally comes to realization when they're trying to escape, and she's like, I married Rambo. <laughs> <Not> even... <laughs> Which is, I, I do like that. It's kind of like, you know, given the rivalry between Arnie and Sylvester yeah. Stallone around about then, like, that's kind of, I like that. It's, it's, it's like in uh, Last Action Hero when it was like, you see the Terminator poster, with Sylvester. he was great in that movie. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, that's so good. <laughs> and you know what? True, True Lies in Last Action Hero, again, very similar movies, just with the flip of more comedy in Last Action Hero and more action in this, because feel like like a lot of these action scenes we saw the elevator already we're gonna have helicopters like all that could fit as well um my favorite action scene in this whole movie is the bridge chase coming up uh and it's also very similar to the one we see in mission impossible 3 with like the empty bridge and the terrorist attacking the cia you have the gap in the bridge and all that like it's very similar obviously mission impossible was a, a straighter version of that this is very much cartoony action but it's still great uh, the the shot of her dangling that's probably the most famous we talk about the strip scene being the most famous scene in the movie and again we keep coming back to this if this is a sexist misogynistic movie why are all the most famous moments the Jamie Lee Curtis moments because everybody knows that shot of her dangling from the helicopter and her you know trying to jump on it from the car from the, the limo people don't remember Schwarzenegger punching tom arnold's window out or anything like that it's like she's the most memorable thing about this movie and for a schwarzenegger movie that's saying a lot and i'd be interested to go through her filmography and see did her career get a boost after this because not having followed her i mean all i could really say is if she did my girl prior to this a good movie you know it's a movie a lot of kids grew up on but it's getting a supporting role in a dan Aykroyd drama <laughs> Your career probably wasn't at the peak it was in the early 80s with Halloween and uh, trading uh, places or all those. Uh, look at look at this. True Lies, we get house arrest after that. Another comedy. Um, fierce Creatures, Homegrown, Halloween H2O. So I guess not really until Halloween H2O did she really get a big boost after that. Well, I mean, Fierce Creatures is what, a sequel to Fish Called Wanda, which was pretty big. Yeah. But I think probably... Yeah, and she was in the original. Yeah, but you'd probably argue... I mean, Halloween movies aside, it really wasn't a freaky Friday that she kind of had another... Mm-hmm. I mean, that was obviously quite a big role. I mean, and <laughs> what, five years after Freaky Friday, she's back to doing things like Beverly Hills Chihuahua. Um, but... Coming soon to the Oz Network. <laughs> yeah, well, we had Christmas to the Cranks in the middle, so... True. But, I mean, yeah, like, yeah, My Girl 2 came out the same year as True Lies. Um, and then My Maybe... Girl... 1991 was, blue, was My Girl. Wow. I didn't realize it was that. I thought it was 93. Wow, okay. I mean, she had forever. I guess she had Forever Young with uh, Mel Gibson just prior to that, too. So, I mean, 
it opened her up to a different audience, I think, more than anything. Because if you look at the movies prior to True Lies, they're all dramatic movies or comedies. She does True Lies, and suddenly she can do an action movie again or a horror movie, Halloween. And she's in The Tailor of Panama, another spy movie, and uh, uh, another Halloween movie, and uh, all, all the action of Christmas with the Cranks and all that. But yeah, her career definitely changed. But more than anything, I feel like she just became marketable again. Because if you look at those movies from the 2000s, yeah, it's a lot of like crappy kids movies or teen movies, but she was relevant. And I don't know, maybe it was just the age of the time where I wasn't really familiar with anything with her. I don't really feel like she was as relevant until after True Lies. So I would argue that the best thing that True Lies did for any of these people's careers was really giving Jamie Lee Curtis a boost. Because let, let's be honest, Tom Arnold did not get a boost off this despite being the best thing in the movie. Bill Ka- Paxson didn't get a boost. Arnold Schwarzenegger, this was sort of the last massive hit that he had. Uh, so I think she benefited more than anybody else. And yeah, the the stunt stuff, I mean, total credit to her. You know a lot of that is, some of it at least, is blue screen. I know they did some of it for real. But still, it's crazy to be able to do that. Uh, and, and it pays off being able to see her. I think that's one of the reasons why that clip is shown so much of her, you know, hanging off the helicopter. Because it looks incredible and you know it's her. It's not like Arnold Schwarzenegger on the horse, Whereas Peter Weller <laughs> uh, riding a horse, um, I I'm to think if there's. A- I was just going to say, just while we're on Jamie Lee Curtis, um, not too not too late for her to be a Bond girl. You know, Monica Bellucci was what like fifty four or something yeah. like that. Um, but even if she's not a Bond girl. Uh, you know, Ray Fiennes has got to retire at some point. You know, M <laughs> Jamie Lee Curtis you M? M. You know, Eric and M. Yeah, you know. Also, that. just giving. Me a little bit of credit again, not coming from coming from somebody who doesn't really find her. I'm not going to say she's unattractive, but she doesn't really do anything for me. How much more do you appreciate it that she just let her hair go gray mm. and let some wrinkles come in and still goes out there on Scream Queens? Like, I'm going to sleep with 25 year old men because I'm freaking Jamie Lee Curtis. <laughs> like, yeah, you got to love it. as a personality, you know, outside of her movie, she's great. I would need to do Scream Queens because. A, you and I haven't oh, yes. really sat down and done a TV show together. I know we're going to probably do 24 one day, but um, I just, it's, just, it's, it's still to this day a TV show that shocks me that you like. It just, to me, is not yeah. a show that I think um, you should like. <laughs> I mean, how could you not love it? It's so good. Um, yeah. And you only have, what, 20 episodes of that show? Maybe 23? I think, there, I think Ryan Murphy's in talks to bring it back in like a miniseries, isn't he? I think like he, yeah. there was something he posted on social media recently, which kind of... Looks like he might be doing something with it. But, um, yeah, no, there was only two seasons of it, I believe. So, but I mean, John Stamos, I know you love him. Um, Emma Roberts, uh, Abigail Breslin, uh, Billy Lord. Um, oh, you know. This goes on. And the best part of the show is the guy that nobody knows from anything else. The the, the guy who plays the, the douchey boyfriend. Oh, uh, yeah, 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 yeah. No, it's been a while. He's going to be in the new top. He's going to be the new Top Gun movie, too. I love that guy. Uh, anyways, back to True Lies. One more thing I wanted to mention here. Um, so the limo's out of control. Tia Carrera's in the backseat. Jamie Lee Curtis is in the backseat. The driver's dead. They continue speeding down this bridge for approximately five minutes. Neither of them thinks, let me jump over the seat and pull his foot off the gas <laughs> or hit the brake. It's just it's it's even more bizarre because obviously Jamie Lee Curtis is like okay well I can reach my husband I can hang from this helicopter Tia Carrera's just in the back seat do something like how, why can't you even open the door and jump out of a moving vehicle they just sit there doing nothing which is a little strange but still it makes for a great visual uh, to see this limo going down this and and I just love the setting of 
this empty bridge that goes on forever. It's the same reason I love the Mission Impossible 3 bridge scene. Because it's just it's something you don't normally see. I mean, you see, we're going to see it in speed in you know seven days. Uh, but it's it's a great way, and I I feel like in some ways this should be the climax of the movie. And I'm not knocking the action scene this to come, but it all kind of blends together in my head. So after this was over, I'm like, wait, wasn't he supposed to be flying a jet at some point? Because mm. I always completely forget about the part that's going to come up, other than like the shot where I'm like, oh, I'm missing that one shot of the jet, uh, you know, on the outside of the building with the glass. I agree. I think kind of swap the final scene with this because I think it, uh, it would kind of be a, a fun, weird ending to have them making out in front of a nuclear bomb, and that's the ending. Yeah. And then you kind of yeah, cut exactly. to like a news report. Um, because yeah, you're right. Like it kind of feels a bit odd. And I always think there's so much more to the movie from this point. Like I always forget that it's basically just like, oh, he gets on a jet and he goes, saves his daughter and that's it. Um, like I always feel there's still like, you know, 40 minutes to go. There's a lead up until how they get here. And it is a bit odd because I mean, basically all we have from here is Arnie stealing the jet. Sorry, sorry. He's like taking out the cops. He's Daniel Craig sorry. in this movie. Sorry, yeah. sorry. <laughs> See, it could have been James Bond. Um, quickly, jet- Jettison's on a Harriet, a downtown Miami, where these terrorists are just firing off at things again. The news reports are so casual, like, oh, and here we have some people here. We believe they might be connected to the earlier attack in the Florida Keys. <laughs> like, 1994 news kind of sucked. Um, <laughs> and like the fact that they've kidnapped the daughter is very tacked on as well. It's just kind oh, of like God. they've flown all the way out to LA and basically stolen a daughter. And now, oh no, Washington's sorry, aren't they? Not LA. Um, I guess that's not that far then. But it's just like, hey, we've got the daughter. Cool. All right. <laughs> but we get the the fight scene at the end. I do kind of like Arnie showing up in a Harrier, just mowing down all the terrorists. And then just this uh, sequence where they're at the end and they're jumping on top of this Harrier and fighting. And Eliza Dushku just turns into Daniel Craig. She's not afraid to like climb out in a giant crane on a skyscraper. I'm dropping! I'm dropping! Kind of annoys me. I'm sorry. I like you, Eliza, but yeah, she's a bit of a pain in the ass. <laughs> Final <laughs> sequence, um, and this—I mean—it's a pretty epic fight sequence, and then we end with maybe one of Arnie's best one-liners. <laughs> He's attached to the missile. You're fired, and then just like gets flown through the building perfectly to blow up the helicopter with terrorists on it as well. Such an epic way to end. Such an Arnie ending. Such a Bond ending. God, everything here. Um, and then the plane lands and, oh, everyone's happy because, uh, everyone's safe. And it ends with, uh, us, uh, how long are we into the future? A year later, I think it is, isn't it? Um, yeah. and they're being called away from their dinner. Cause apparently now Jamie Lee Curtis is just a spy. This is just kind of what, <laughs> not explained. <laughs> um, so they have to go to a, a fancy formal dinner get together where they encounter Simon again, who's seducing a woman, and they basically make him pee himself again. Uh, and then Jamie Lee Curtis and Arnold Schwarzenegger end with a tango, and then we get a mini post credit scene where I just love Tom Arnold. It's like, <laughs> guys, why am I in the van? 17 years, I've always been in the damn van. When do I get to go in there and do a mission? Um, great way to end the film. I know I just really gelled over that final sequence, but, I mean, again, I think we kind of worked it out here that... Swap them around, and then kind of you maybe got a bit of a better ending. See, part of the problem is that the Eliza Dushka character has no development. She has the moment where you start to build her up earlier on with, she's ripping me off. Um, and then after that, she's just gone and irrelevant. 
And I think the audience will always feel like you've reached that climax after the bridge scene. So when you tack it on, like, as I was watching it, I had that same reaction I have often when I watch this. I'm like, wait, what about, did I miss the jet? Completely forgetting that this next part comes on with the daughter. uh, Because she doesn't matter to the movie. And also, I think you kind of feel exhausted at this point. And I don't know that it needed another sequence. um, Or maybe, like you said, reverse these and play them back to back. Uh, but just have the jet first and then the bridge after that. But I think for argument's sake, you could make this work by revealing that she was kidnapped earlier on. So when uh, Arnie and Jamie Lee Curtis are making their escape, maybe they find out at that point, like they see a video monitor where at another location their daughter's kidnapped. Like, okay, now they have more motivation as to why they have to get out of there uh, and why – Arnie kind of leaves Jamie Lee Curtis at one point uh, and at least let the audience clue in there's something else coming. So it's not, oh, here's another action scene where I feel like even people who love this movie are going to be like, oh, I don't know if I can take another one, especially for a character you don't care about at all. Uh, But there's some fun moments in there, like that one shot of the jet coming in front of the building where you see the reflection in the glass. Like that's another one of those really famous shots from this movie. Although you do have to wonder – He's gone to the location he knows his daughter is at. When you look at the building from the outside, all you see is the reflection. He's not seeing inside, and he just fires bullets everywhere. Like, his daughter should be dead. <laughs> uh, he's a very careless agent. Uh, but then when she's out on the, the crane or whatever, and, uh, you know, dangling, it, there's some good suspense there. And, but I love when he's... The jet's barely hovering. Like, it's swaying back and forth. You already saw he couldn't take off. He's got both hands on the, the controls. And he's like... Jump, Dana. Daddy will catch you. <laughs> really? So you're going to let go of the controls to catch her, and then you're both dead? I don't know how that works. Uh, but I love the moment with um, uh, uh, Mr. Uh, Living Daylights here, terrorist, where he's on the back of the jet, and they back it into the building. And, of course, it's still a comedy, so as serious as the action is, you get a nice nut shot to end the movie. <laughs> he goes balls first into the tail of this plane. Uh, and, and then, you know, uh, obviously the, the last little bit after that. Um, it, it's still a fun scene. I just feel like it's in the wrong place in the movie. Uh, and then the bonus scene, I do, just as somebody who's watched a lot of spy movies, wonder, oh, can she really be qualified to be doing this? Uh, but it's still fun to see them like a year later. It would have been nice uh, if uh, he missed his own birthday party again. <laughs> it's just them blowing up balloons. And then uh, so, well, your dad missed it again. It's like, then he calls. It's like, Doris, this is Boris. We have a mission. And they go there. But yeah, sometimes the humor in this movie, it is very juvenile. But that's kind of the fun of it. Like the nut shot in the end or Bill Paxton wedding himself. Um it's a fun way to end the movie with the tango and all that. And yeah, the last line Tom Arnold has. It's another very drastic tone shift as well. Because uh, it's not like it's just one last scene. The last scene kind of goes on for five minutes. But still, it's all fun stuff here. And a great movie all around. Just the ending could have used some slight rewrites and slight re-editing. There's a quick little thing I'm reading here about Art Malik before we close it off. Um, he apparently True Lies basically saved his life. Um, because... He got a big boost in 1984. Uh, I don't know what he exactly did in 1984, but obviously something big. Um, That led to him uh, basically becoming an alcoholic. 
um, that then uh, read up high bills on his credit card. And in 1993, he owed £55,000 to the bank and £32,000 to Inland Revenue and was on the verge of being declared legally bankrupt until he landed the lucrative part of a terrorist in James Cameron's True Lies. He and his wife reunited and have been married for nearly 40 years. <laughs> oh, beautiful story. Oh, they should make a movie of that. <laughs> um, so this movie um, itself... 72% uh, approval rating on Rotten Tomatoes, an average rating of 6.6 out of 10. Uh, the website Consensus says if it doesn't reach the heights of director James Cameron's and star Arnold Schwarzenegger's previous collaborations, True Lies still packs enough action and humour into its sometimes absurd plot to entertain. Um, and reading here underneath is some of the ones you were saying before. Despite the positive reviews, the film is criticised by the National Review as sexist, cruel or even misogynistic for its treatment of female characters such as the hero using his agency's resources to stalk and frighten his wife did they miss the scene where where she says i needed something like he's doing this because she wants it and can we just please go back a week to the notebook where you have (laughs) a man threatening to kill himself unless a woman goes out on a date with him and continues to harass her until she says yes. Like, that is full-on harassment. Yet, oh, it's so romantic. Like, are you serious, universe, that this is sexist and misogynistic compared to The Notebook? Um, I'm sorry. Harry and Helen Tasker over <laughs> Ryan and Rachel any day of the yes. week. Yes. Any day of the week. Absolutely. Grant uh, Hesloff and Tom Arnold over Ryan and Rachel any day of the week. <laughs> Simon and that woman at the end. Uh, <laughs> Eliza uh, Dushku and the dude on the bike any day yes, of the week. Exactly. Um, wow. Uh, that's, Art that's... Malik and his alcoholism <laughs> and his beautiful marriage any day of the week. The thing that is, is kind of interesting here is that uh, says some Muslims perceive the film as conveying a strong anti-Arab or anti-Muslim prejudice. Again, this is pre-9-11, and it's... I mean, you've got to have a bad person in a movie, right? And generally, a lot of these spy movies, you have them from being some part of the world. I know a lot of movies will kind of go out of their way to say, like, hey, let's make up a country that's not really from anything. And I don't... Do we ever hear what nationality that uh, Art no. Malik is from? So, okay. Well, wait, wait, they... I feel like they said something about the U.S.'s involvement in blank country, but I can't remember. I think at the end of the day, like, he is of Arab origin, but mm-hmm. uh, I don't know. It's it's kind of one of these things where you can't win with anyone. I mean, I don't think they would get away with it, as you said before, a lot more, like, in 2019, but uh, everyone's going to whinge about something, even in 1994. Um, the movie itself made a total of $146 million on a budget of $115 excuse me, million. Uh, that was domestically. Uh, foreign had added an extra $232 million for a worldwide uh, gross of $378 million. It opened uh, at number one, uh, making $25 million, beating out Forrest Gump in its second week, um, mm-hmm. which just only by uh, about a million dollars. It did The Lion King in its fifth week, 
made $16 million. And, oh, Angels in the Outfield opened up that weekend. I actually don't mind that movie. $8 million. I like it. Uh, other movies that opened that weekend were Spanking the Monkey and <laughs> the movie that I still don't understand, apparently, Dr. Strangelove, uh, reissue. Uh, <laughs> Speed, oh, also movie. in its sixth week that week, uh, when we talk about that next week. And uh, I believe the prequel to Swept Away, Blown Away, was in its third <laughs> week that week. Have you ever uh, seen Blown Away? No, I haven't. It's, Does it have Madonna well, it's a, in it? Another, no, it's, a, it's a, another really great, very clear 1994 action movie, but it's got Jeff Bridges and Tommy Lee Jones. Uh, Tommy Lee Jones is like a Unabomber type character. It's it's a fantastic movie. Used to I used to that used to be almost like my true lies. I'd watch that every day. Put it on the list. Um, also that weekend, Baby's Day Out in its third week uh, made a million dollars. Seriously, Baby's Day Out was making millions of dollars. Why? <laughs> Schindler's List in its thirty first week made one hundred and forty two thousand dollars. Yeah, Baby's Day Out can make a million dollars. Who cares about Baby's Day Out? Um, what a disgrace to the Holocaust. I know. Like, people died in Nazi Germany. You're paying to go watch a baby have a day out? For shame, movie goers in 1994. <laughs> um, I guess we get to our review of this for us. I, I mean, I'm buying it. I, I'm assuming you're binning it. Well, uh, <laughs> are we going to do the plot keywords? Because I found the best one ever. Oh, well, we can do that. I guess that would make sense, wouldn't it? Okay, I've got well, I've got two that are going to be really good here. But uh, uh, first of all, I'll, I'll give it to you in a second. But we can't not do Panties Month. I'm <laughs> putting it out there because that's my month every the, month. The top four Panties movies includes maybe one of my top ten favorite movies of all time: Scott Pilgrim versus the World, <laughs> also The Shawshank Redemption, Pulp Fiction, and Layer Cake, the movie that basically got Daniel Craig the role as James Bond. Uh, where is I can't even find True Lies on this list. I'm down to the Big Lebowski, uh, number 20, Pretty in Pink. Uh, it's not even on here, but I, I'm voting for Panties Month. Okay, I'm down there. I'm going to vote then for Remake of French Film Month, um, <laughs> which uh, currently at the moment is led by The Birdcage, Sleepless, True Lies, and 12 Monkeys. Um, also, Anti-Arab Month, fair enough. True Lies, Alexander, London Has Fallen, and Team America World Police. Uh, and we could also do Good vs. Evil Month, because they've never made a movie with Good vs. Evil before. Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse, number one. Aquaman, number two. Supernatural, the TV show, number three. And Avengers Infinity War, number four. So, um, yeah, okay. James Bond Spoof Month. Oh, number one. Austin is- Powers, number one. Archer is number one. What? By Kingsman, the Golden Circle, Johnny English Reborn, and Johnny English. Austin Powers in Golden Member is number six. Um, Casino Royale, 1967. Johnny Reborn in Casino Royale. Where's the original? (laughs) The original Austin Powers is 13th. Wow. (laughs) Jesus Christ. Oh, Lift Skirt Month. I'm down for that. Grease is number one. <laughs> <laughs> Eternal Sunshine of Spotless Mind. Ugh, hate that movie. Uh, Eastern Promises 3 and True Lies number 4. I'm putting out there Urination Month <laughs> because we'll get Creed 2, Deadpool 2, Climax, <laughs> and 
Scott Pilgrim versus the world. Like, Scott Pilgrim versus the world and True Lies have a lot in common, apparently. Urination and panties. Well, what about Truck Falling Into Water Month? Featuring True Lies, <laughs> Convoy, The Big Bad Fox, and Other Tales, and Catwoman. Uh, or we can choose between Woman Punching a Man Month or Man Punching a Woman Month. Um, or Running Out of Ammo Month. Subjective Camera Month. Character Repeating Someone Else's Dialogue Month. Uh, <laughs> stabbed in the Eye Month. Yes! Finally! Need in the Groin Month! <laughs> French accent month. <laughs> oh, Florida Keys month. There we go. Um, uh, seriously, we're we're still committing to this. That by the time this year is over, we will pick our most absurd month month, and we will make that a month next year. <laughs> done. Uh, we are definitely doing that. Uh, yes, I'm buying this movie. Uh, <laughs> I'm buying it. I did buy it, and I'm glad it came with perfect Arabic subtitles, too. It's a great movie. <laughs> uh, it is a great movie. Uh, have we done anything but buy Arnold Schwarzenegger movies? I need to go through this quickly, because <laughs> I think every single Arnie movie we've bought... Uh, no, we rented the sixth day. Oh, for oh, shame. I'm going to change my vote on that. I'm buying it. <laughs> Last action hero we bought. Uh, jingle all the way. We both bought as well. God, look at that. Well, let's it. just say this. The streak will eventually end because Terminator Month is coming and we're not going to buy them all. Yeah, I know. Terminator 2 is terrible. Um, <laughs> Speed is next week. And we also oh. might look at the movie as well outside of taking the drugs. Uh, I love this movie because I'm a man. Oh. Uh, women can love this movie too. <laughs> I'm not saying women can't love this movie. I think I've told the story before about the fact that... Uh, by ex-fiance, you know, one of the many I've been engaged to, uh, who would not watch any form of action movie, was randomly awake on a Saturday night when I was watching this late on TV, and she ended up enjoying this movie. So even people who don't enjoy these type of movie apparently enjoys this movie. And I've already explained to Mallory, because we were randomly watching The Lake House, uh, I think, when we were in oh. Victoria. And it's like, oh, this movie's so good. And I'm like, you need to watch the original Keanu Reeves, Sandra Bullock movie. Uh, the one where it's actually watchable and is not about a stupid story about people falling in love with a magical mailbox or whatever the fuck that. <laughs> it's so dumb. The only good thing about that movie is the fact that um, uh, uh, Sean from Nip Tuck is in it. So I never see him in anything. Anyway, the point is, Speed is next week. Uh, and if we do that episode in l- less than 50 minutes, it's going to blow. Uh, um, the way that Die Hard was for me as a child, uh, Speed was for me as I became a teenager. So around the time where I started to really appreciate action movies, and I guess be old enough to watch action movies, this was sort of my big one. And I feel like this was everybody. This was the movie... Uh, I mentioned at the beginning how like True Lies at the time wasn't really thought of as like the best movie of the year, or the best action movie of the year, even though it was easily the highest grossing. Because Speed was sort of that movie that captured everybody, every audience. And it's very similar to, uh, as I mentioned earlier, a movie like Get Out, where Get Out wasn't like the highest grossing horror movie or thriller of the year, but it was the movie that everybody talked about and everybody watched. And you know, you said, I'm a guy, I love this. I remember Speed, as a teenager, how many teenage girls love Speed just because of Keanu Reeves? And 
I feel like still to this day, the speed is one of those movies very similar to Die Hard, where it's like it has a huge female fan base. Um, and also, obviously, young people love the movie, old people love the movie. It is the greatest ever Die Hard on a fill in the blank <laughs> movie ever made. <laughs> we could have a Die Hard fill in the blank month, I'm sure. Best honest trailer uh, ever. Die Hard yeah. <laughs> on a bus. Die Hard on a boat. Die Hard in a building. <laughs> Did Die you Hard on see, another um, boat. <laughs> I just want to throw, I think it was like the making of Speed uh, on one of the DVDs. They were talking about like the Die Hard in a craze. And um, they mentioned like the studio executives would just meet and say, okay, we got an idea. Die Hard on a boat or Die Hard on a train. Die Hard on a bus. And they actually said that one day, Somebody legitimately came to us. I have an idea. It would be Die Hard in a building. Realizing that's called Die Hard. <laughs> uh, but like Speed is, uh, this is like one of my childhood favorite, childhood into teenage favorite movies. Uh, it, this is something I could watch a million times. I even, strangely enough, kind of like Speed 2. Yeah, uh, even I'm though the it's same. absurd. But, uh, <laughs> although, you know, it suffers from having Keanu Reeves. And Oh, I know that Jamie will stick with me through this entire movie because it is Keanu Reeves. And right now she's going to bed every night watching John Wick every single night. Uh, so I can throw speed in there and we can have a little bit of variety. Who Who is the guy that's bad Keanu Reeves in that movie? Bad Keanu Reeves? Like, who is the non-Keanu Reeves in that movie? In Speed? Yeah, in Speed 2. Oh, uh, Jason Patrick. Oh, oh, really? Is that him? Oh, yeah. I remember Willem yeah. Dafoe's the the bad dude in that, isn't he? Yeah, yeah. And uh, they bring back the car guy from Speed One, which is great. <laughs> <laughs> of all characters, uh, let's bring back the car guy. I um, I I love the fact too. I think Speed is the very first movie I ever saw with Jeff Daniels, not as like a Dumb and Dumber Jeff Daniels. Yeah. Exactly. So to me, that was um, that was a real shock. Uh, and if neither of us open up, we both know what our opening quote is. And I'm just going to say it right now. I saw this movie in a movie about a bus that had to speed around the city, keeping a speed <laughs> over 50. And if the speed dropped, it would explode. I think it was called <laughs> The Bus That the Couldn't bus Slow that Down. Couldn't slow Down. <laughs> <laughs> Best quote ever. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Coming soon. Yes. Um, anyway, so that is Speed next week. I'm looking forward to it. Um, but in the meantime, like us on Facebook, follow us on Twitter, subscribe, all the relevant channels, because you know you love us, and if you don't, well, you should, because you're an idiot if you don't. Um, and if I just called you an idiot, that's probably why you don't love us, because I often abuse our listener, and I'm sorry about that. I will try to be better next week. Um, my name is Ben, and... I remember the first time I was shot out of a cannon. And my name was Colin. Uh, it is now Grant Heslop. Thank you for listening to the Oz Network. Don't forget to subscribe to get new episodes delivered to your speakers every week. For more information, hit us up at theoznetwork.net. <laughs>